Farmers Insurance knows that when you're in the car and that song comes on. No, not that one. Ah, yes, that's the one. You have no choice but to pull out your imaginary drumsticks and smash those cymbals and stomp on that kick pedal, which unfortunately is also known as the accelerator pedal. And we covered it. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Click for more. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? Once again, to the Voice Wrestling Podcast, I am Rich Krejci alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, are you ready to get going? Not going to ask you how you're doing. Don't care. Again, we got a lot to talk about, so I, I just don't care. So so should we allow me to brag first, or should we bury me and let me take a big L first? Oh, um... Ooh. Well, here's, well here's you know the what? Thing. A brag first, because I think I like the idea of you then having to do the rest of the show after getting buried. So yeah, l- l- brag first, and then we'll bury you. Here's the thing. It's not even fun to beat down Roman Reigns anymore. It's not. I don't want to do that show again. It's not even fun to do that anymore. It's it's become... I mean, I, there's nobody left on the other side. Do you notice how they've all slowly dissipated? It's like, you know... I used to come on here and say the guy is never going to get over. The guy isn't over. And people would argue with us and say, oh, he is over. You're not listening. And it's like 
Now, I mean, what more do you need than what we just saw on Monday? I mean, that was I, – I thought it was incredibly entertaining. Nothing makes me happier when I watch wrestling. Few things make me happier than watching crowds shit on something that a company is trying to push on them that they don't want. I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, these Royal Rumbles that people turn on, I, 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 I think that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, the Batista Big Show match on WWE CW where they chanted, change the channel. Incredible television. Yeah, well, and one thing, not to interrupt your, your train of thought here, but one thing I always enjoy about that is, and people will say that it's, oh, it's just crowds trying to, like, get themselves over, do all that. It's very rare that it really happens to that visceral of a level, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that every single week, every single guy, every single up and down the card, they do it. Like, it's it's very much when, like, there's a particular thing that 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 ticks you know, that, that will make that crowd mad or make the entire general public mad. Like, it, it doesn't happen as often as people sort of assume that it happens every single time that anybody gets pushed that they don't like or anything like that. It's very, it's reserved. Because I one of the examples you brought up, there you go. You brought up, you know, Roman Reigns is one that we've seen recently. Uh, you know, Cena to a point, but Cena, I think, is a different animal to an extent. And then, like, yeah, there's a few other ones, like the old WWE ECW things, like, there's not many times that that happens. Like NWA, WCW used to have a bunch, you know, in the uh, uh, you know early '90s, late '80s. There was a few times where it would happen, but it's not like it happens all the time that the, the fans react that way. So when it does happen, you know, people sort of roll their eyes and immediately go, "Oh, it's just you know smart fans trying to get themselves over." And it's not that. It's it's a it's a the crowd just it's like a cry for help. Like we don't want this. Stop. Like we're done. Like can't you see this? And with the Roman Reigns thing, it's just like there's been apathy for so long with it that I thought that was the new reaction was just apathy but it's you know like it's it's gotten a different direction as well it's now again now that wrestlemania season's ramped up it's like no you know what we don't want this this song and dance again we've seen this we've seen this movie before we don't want it again none of those examples i named were crowds trying to get themselves over crowds trying to get themselves over are the post wrestlemania raw crowds that's crowds. Right, the fandangoing and that shit. Like, you know, yeah. That's crowds trying to get themselves over. And honestly, I'm one of the few people that doesn't mind that either. I, I think right. those are fun crowds. Buy a ticket, knock yourself out. I don't care what you do. Right. But if, if the match was great in front of them, they wouldn't be fandangoing. That's that's our, our our thing that we've always said. If you blow them away with some great promo or a great match, they're not going to be fandangoing or or saying what or, or or doing whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I, you can I've said you can look look, up, you I've said a million times. I'd rather have a crowd putting themselves over than a crowd sitting on their hands doing nothing and, and making for a dry atmosphere. At least those crowds prop up the show a bit. But um, I don't really want to get derailed on that. But um but but none of those examples I gave were really crowds putting themselves over. There were crowds crapping on shit that they weren't interested in. Another good example is the Buff Bagwell Booker T match on Raw in in Tacoma. Was it Tacoma, Washington? Or, yeah, Tacoma. Or Spokane, yeah. Tacoma. It was Tacoma, I believe. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fans just did not want WCW presented in that manner, and they shit on that. I always find look, train wrecks are interesting. I I find it fun. I find it um, uh, fascinating to watch. And the 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 closing scene of Monday Night Raw. Was I mean, if there's anybody left in the back who has any power in this company who does not recognize at this point that this guy is toast, at least in this current incarnation, um, you know, because even his most ardent supporters online have finally thrown in the towel. I mean, it's it's over, man. This this incarnation of this push is over. Um, I am someone who, uh, you know, going back two years or whatever, even when the shield, when it was 
patently obvious that he was ultra protected compared to the other two and that, you know, he was going to be the guy to get to get the monster push. Um, you know, go listen to the tapes. I mean, I was saying right here that that Ambrose was the guy, not Reigns, if they were smart. Um, and, and that I thought Reigns upside. His ceiling was Randy Orton. Um, th- that's what I screamed on this show for months at the time before the shield even broke up. You know that, Rich. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it's like it, it was our stance as a show. I think we yeah, always sort of had agree. this idea that yeah. it wasn't it, it just we never thought it was going to click or it was going to work because the guy just didn't have that connection to the fans. He just did not make it. I mean, he made the connection in those shield matches that we, you know, we loved because he was the hot tag guy that would come in, do the Superman punches and he was out. But if you really study those matches and really watch him and, and, and go look and you'll see who's doing all the work. And then we knew that I think I, I remember the, the, the first match that we all said, oh, no, this is a train wreck was that it was him versus Bray Wyatt. It was a random raw if I remember, and it was just like, oh my God, this guy can't go. Like this, it's not going to happen. Like it, it's, and, and that was, God, I don't even remember what month that, but we're, we're on a year plus with that. That was, that was well, or February of last year. Yeah. Something like that. And we're still on this train. And it's like, that was the moment. I remember every, you know, at least on this show, we came up here that week and said, no, that's <laughs> whatever you're doing. It's not going to work. And they've, you know, they, they've, they've went with the template of how they get baby faces over. And and that's, I, I don't want to derail it into that because the, the sort of the idea that he's being undermined at every step and that stuff is starting to gain a little bit more steam, uh, you know, among the internet. And, and, you know, I don't, I, I hate using the term the internet or whatever, or, but on, on our Twitter, we're seeing it a lot where people are saying, oh my God, look, it's, you know, Triple H getting himself over and all that sort of stuff. And I don't doubt that Triple H is doing that a little bit. I think on Monday you saw him sort of get lost in the moment and do it but i don't think it's a conscious effort by that company and we, we've said this forever that they you know what let's not get roman reigns over or triple h is saying you know what my goal is to not get this guy over i hate this guy you know i don't buy that i just buy that they have no clue what to do with this guy they've tried every book they tried the john cena push they tried the daniel bryan push they have no idea because they're just not good at making stars anymore and they just they don't know how to do it anymore and it's 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 just it's broken and with this guy it's broken beyond repair there's just i i don't know what you do with him I think they saw Daniel Bryan get over to a large extent right under their nose uh, without them necessarily trying to get him over at that level. And they said, shit, why don't we just recreate that with the guy that that we think can be a huge star? Let's just do that all over again. Because Roman Reigns has basically been treated the way Daniel Bryan was treated during the rise of Daniel Bryan. What they don't what they fail to recognize is those are two drastically different uh, dynamics. Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns are two drastically different characters. What works for one babyface isn't necessarily going to work for another. Um, you know, there were so many different dynamics at play with Bryan, which is why all of that stuff worked. He had that groundswell of support for years and years beforehand. He is a more natural underdog. He's much better in the underdog role. Roman Reigns should not be uh, portrayed as an underdog. He should be out there beating the shit out of people on a weekly basis. So there's no question that they blew many aspects of his push. Do I think there's some conspiracy at play? No, I find that patently absurd. I think that's people having fun on the internet, and that's fine. Um, but I, 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 I think that's absurd. I think they blow every, they blow a lot of pushes in this company. And well, and that's 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 my biggest thing. That when I always hear people of like, oh, it's a cons-, like, well, then what the hell are they doing with the rest of this roster? Is it conspiracy to get nobody over? Because that's what they're really good at doing that lately. Like this company hasn't created a star in ten years, so I, I glad I will definitely believe that they just have no clue what they're doing, and it's not a conspiracy. I mean, th- there's not the track record. It's not like they've created stars left and right, and then this guy, it's like, all right, let's now let's do it now and show him, or we're gonna oh. 
that, you know, and whatever. It, it, it's just they haven't been able to do anything. I mean, the only stars they created in the past 10 years were guys that the crowd got behind or just kind of circumstances led them that the way. Last, like we yeah, the last that. guy that got over big got over essentially by accident. Right. And we talked about that a few weeks ago with Daniel Bryan. It was like 17 things had to happen for them to go, okay, fine. <laughs> Daniel Bryan's in the main event. There you go, assholes. Like, there. You know, everybody left. You keep booing us. Here. There you go. You got it. Like, that's, it's just and I, that. And I truly believe that they've tried to copy that dynamic with Reigns. Oh, certainly. And you can tell from the constantly way he's working. Constantly going up working against the authority. Constantly, and he's always working underneath. Constantly they, working from every underneath. Match, yeah. Constantly getting screwed. This is what, I think that they feel like it worked. That all worked with Bryan, so it'll work with this guy. Right. But it's that's how tone deaf they are. Yeah, yeah they that, just, that. yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. And and I do think that there's an element of Vince McMahon being stubborn since this is his handpicked guy and really believing that all of the boos are just uh, you know the loud vocal minority and that underneath people really do love this guy, which um, you know I, I I he Vince McMahon is a person who has a very hard time dealing with things that don't work according to plan or he has a very hard time coping when his ideas don't work out. Um, if, if this wasn't his handpicked guy, I think they would have thrown in the towel a long time ago, but he's insistent on making this one work. Um, after Monday, I look, I don't, I don't see how you can make it work. And you know, the theory now, and it's something that you talked about a little bit on Twitter. It's, it's like this broken nose thing. Are they writing him off TV? I mean, are they legitimately taking him off TV? I think they for are for fear that Chicago, New Jersey, and New York, I'm sure Philadelphia, he's got Philly there Philly too, I and, think. and New York are going to shit on him. I mean, is that really their train of thought? And if it is, I, have, I, I have no have idea. They, <laughs> have they finally you, officially crossed over into insanity? At that point, when do you just fucking cut bait? I mean. They, they cut bait with Lex Luger 20 years ago, right? I mean, when, yeah. when do you just cut? fucking bait i mean i know it's really close to wrestlemania and you probably have to go through with that match at this point but i mean you know we talk about this company jumping through hoops to 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 protect this guy um you know if there was some conspiracy theory at play wouldn't they throw him to the wolves in those three cities i mean (laughs) come on can we use our brain can we think can we think this thing through a little bit i mean i know it's just people having fun for the most part but there's some people buying into this nonsense but i mean you know it's like um it's 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 very the, the the bigger point here is that it's very obvious that look it, it, it my personal belief is he'll ne- he, he I've said this two years ago and I'll stick to it now he's improved as a worker and that's great this guy will never he's his ceiling is Randy Orton the guy that is a somewhat of a star but is never as big of a star as they tell you he is and that's been Randy Orton for his entire career. They right. tell you he's this mega star and a top guy, and he never really was. You've proved it with, with your research. Other people have proved it with research. He's never been the level of – that's that's Roman Reigns' ceiling in my opinion um, because there was just something missing with that guy. So um, I think this incarnation of the push is dead in the water. I think it would – you know, if you want to restart with this guy, you'd have to have him go away for a very long time, not three weeks to hide from from – from evil crowds. I'm talking go away for a very long time. Uh, eight months, ten months, a year. Bring him back. Let him be himself. And then see if that gets any traction. My personal belief, it still wouldn't work to the level that they yeah. want it to work at. 
and I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, there, there's the idea, and we, we've said it long ago, that maybe, you know, a heel turn would sort of freshen him up a little bit, do that sort of stuff. But I just, I don't know. Ship at this point, it's too late. I think so, too. Yeah, it's, it's he's, he's damaged goods at this point. And uh, you, you were mentioning a little bit about the broken nose thing. For people that don't know, I mean, this is going on, you know, as we speak on, on uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. I might release the show. I think uh, Wednesday night you'll probably hear this. So it might be a little out of date at that point. But uh, WWE.com is pushing that he had surgery. Uh, they tweeted out a picture of him with, like, uh, you know, a, a, a bandages or whatever. And I think cage side seats had somebody, like a, a nurse, go in and, like, they're like, that's not how we would do, like, a, a broken, like, if we were doing surgery on someone's nose like that's not how the bandages would look at all but like he's holding a bloody you know rag or whatever and like oh look here's my nose or whatever so it's just and and for people that have seen it of course there's the video going around the internet of, of Byron Saxon clearly handing Roman Reigns a, a blood capsule like there's there's no doubt about it I mean Reigns holds his hand out Byron puts something in his hand Reigns looks up and all of a sudden there's blood all over him and it's like a weird blood too it's like all over his hands it's not it doesn't look like a legit like broken nose so yeah, I don't know if that means he's back in like a week or if, if it is legitimate. We don't know that yet, but it, it by all intents and purposes, it looks like they're going to have like their their goal in the build of WrestleMania to get this guy over is just to avoid big, mean crowds like, like that that we have. And I, I, I tweeted it earlier. That's a critical mass. It's over that when, when that is your strategy of. All right, well, let's just not use him. Like, what are you doing then? <laughs> like, why Why is this happening? Like, at that point, just say, okay, it, it, whatever. We're done. You know, it's six weeks out or whatever. We'll change. Like, we got to do so- – because the build of WrestleMania is this guy's not going to be around. I, I think it's too late to change, though. I really do. I think – Yeah, I, I, it is, but it's they like car- – <laughs> You know, they, they've carved their path here. I think Dave Meltzer may have made the best point. I'm pretty sure it was Dave. So you might as well just have Triple H win the match at this point. You know, yeah. and, and seriously, yeah, no, it was Dave. It was Dave earlier uh, this morning on uh, Wrestling Observer. Yeah, I mean, just radio, just just pedigree this fucker in the center of the ring, no shenanigans, pin him, and just have him go away. You know, Dave didn't say this part. This is my extension on what Dave is saying. Pin this fucker clean in the middle. Let a hundred thousand people go bananas because the the company quote listened right. Pin this fucker clean in the middle and just have him go away. You know, get him away for a while. Let let the people who do like him miss him, and then bring him back without the stupid fucking uh, uh, combat gear. Change his look a little bit. Let him be himself, and then see what happens. Don't force it at that point. Just treat him like someone else on the card who's getting a push. Give him the Kevin Owens push. Whatever comparison you want to make, treat him decent is what I'm saying. But don't shove him down people's throats, and then see if he catches on, because this is dead. This is dead yeah. in the water. And, um, you know, you know th- this show saw it coming. So, you know, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to come out here and do shtick. OK, I've done that plenty of times. But, um, you know, it, it's I've, I've been saying this for two years. It's just I, I just got the feeling that this just wasn't good uh, from the start. I, you know, they really need to change the way. And this speaks to what you've been pounding on, the, the drum that you've been pounding on for months. They really need to change the way that they think in regards to who they push and how they push them. It's, it's that the, – the, the, like you always say, the star-making mechanism, there's something is off. They, they, they're not they, – they don't use contemporary means to get these guys over. Yeah. People are tired of, uh, of guys battling the authority. They're tired of, of stacked odds. And it's superheroes. superheroes. You know. it, it, it's what you always say. The contemporary method people, I, I, I believe this, they just want to see real people. They, 
Matt, why do you think they go nuts for Brock Lesnar even when he's presented as a heel? You know, yeah. he's just a re- he's presented as a real guy who goes out there and is just a fucking ass kicker. Yeah, why, why is Sami Zayn one of the most over guys at NXT? He's a you know skinny, weird looking ginger guy. You, you know what I mean? Like, why does Kevin it doesn't Owens matter. appeal to people? Exactly right because they make connections as, as real why, human beings. Why yeah. does Dean Ambrose appeal to people at times, and then people lose it? They lose interest in him when he's squirting mustard on people. <laughs> right, <what he's... laughs> but but when Dean Ambrose is just presented as as a guy who's slightly off kilter and it's not pounded down your throat that he's crazy, and 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 like look look at the main event at Fastlane. I mean, we're we're Am- you know, the build to Fastlane and the main event the Fastlane. I mean, where, where Ambrose was just this guy who was like, look, man, I'm not afraid of Brock Lesnar. I'm just going to go in there and attempt to kick his ass. He came up short and he failed, which was fine. But people got behind him during the build, and he was tremendous in the match. Oh, he was so good. Worked his ass off. I mean, just to- – just, just wor- and, you know, and let me tell you something else about Roman Reigns, okay? For, you know, he, Ambrose worked his ass off in that match. Brock Lesnar always – Brock Lesnar, match for match, is the hardest working person in that company. Oh, yeah. Which, you cut a check. That guy will, will literally wa- run through a wall for you no matter what. Like, it's amazing. We're going to look back at this run that Brock Lesnar had. And I know that some people sort of poo-poo it because of certain reasons and whatnot and all this stuff. But if you really go – if you had a comp DVD like, – let's say in, in a few years you get – our WWE Network has their collections now. In five years, you go to that WWE Network collection. It's just Brock Lesnar pay-per-view matches one after another after another. You are going to be stunned by the amount of work and, and like what that guy puts into each and every big-time match that he's in. Like – like I always said, if he, if you write the check, he'll do whatever you ask him to do, and he'll just give it 110%. Like, he doesn't need to. Like, that's a guy who can loaf and, and not care and just do – but he doesn't. Like, he – and this was another example. I thought he was tremendous he was in this so match. good in this match. And then Roman Reigns was by far easily – I don't know what he did. Like like, that. <laughs> and here's the thing. You know, and, 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 and some people make excuses. Oh, well, look at the way the match was – look, some of this – a lot of this, when are we going to start putting away our goofy conspiracy theories and start blaming this guy for some of his own failures? He did not stand out in the match, and this was the match that was supposed to prepare him for the biggest match of his life, and he did nothing. He got outshined by miles by the other two people in this match. That's unacceptable, and that is on him. That's on him, okay? There's no conspiracy theory in the world or directive in the back, okay, that can that can that can prevent you from shining if you want to shine in a match. He the guy just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it, and it's okay to blame him. He's still only what three or four years in, right? What is yeah. it now? Okay, so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, probably. I mean, overall WWE, yeah, about about four or five, so, maybe five, yeah. maybe five. So I mean, look, it, it's the guy. He just doesn't stand out. And and somebody he did not stand out in Fastlane. He got by by. He was in there with two. You have tremendous pros, and they bloom away. Okay, and that's on Roman Reigns. Yeah. That's absolutely 100% on Roman Reigns. Just like last week, it was on Hiroki Goto. When Hiroki Goto had a chance to go in there and follow up all those hot angles, and he was throwing on chin locks, that's on Hiroki Goto. And maybe that's why they never give the guy a, a, a chance. It's the same thing here. That was on Roman Reigns. That was a pathetic performance in a big-time yeah. spot. We talk about it all the time, big performances and big-time spots, right? And Reigns was kind of coming around in that regard. Had a very good December, right? The good Raw match, the good match at the pay-per-view. And then he comes out here, and then these Royal Rumbles, he's awful. These, <laughs> well, I, these Royal you know, what's Rumbles funny are is... built around the fucking guy, and he, 
remember, okay, this one, they just took him out of the match for 20 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, well, people are saying, you know, I, I've heard some people say, oh, no, I mean, this broken nose thing isn't just to have him avoid or, or go away or whatever. Oh, there's something more at hand. Uh, guys, like a month ago, they basically hit the Royal Rumble and said, you know what, Roman, the best thing to do is just, you know what, don't do anything. Just come out, do some things that go away for about 40 minutes and then come back and then you'll be and fine. They, like, you know what, like, year, just avoid, just go away for like yeah. 40 minutes and then we'll be okay. And the like, year before, which is his big Rumble win. He might as well have been gone for 40 minutes because he was a ghost in that fuck. He was terrible in that match. Okay? Look at past Royal Rumbles. For, and he was in the match forever, and you forgot he was there. And it's the one, the one in uh, 2014 he was solid in, but that's the one where they just had him kick ass and eliminate Yeah, where everybody. he just eliminated everyone. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like, but look at past Rumbles where guys have, have, have shined in that thing. It happens all the time. This guy disappeared in the last two Rumbles, one time literally, and the other time figuratively. And then in this match which he really should have stood out and he's in there with two guys who are willing to work hard and he, and he, and he, and he just blows a wet fucking fart and you forget that he's in the match. Got, when I think, there's gotta be some blame. When are we going to blame this guy at some point? Exactly. This, and, and isn't that great? Okay. Can we admit it? And the point I was going to make is, and we mentioned John Cena earlier for the guy that gets, you know, the boo heel, you know, the let's go Cena, Cena. I mean, he's a guy that elicits those reactions. But when you watch him, and that's why I think the big difference about Cena and people that don't really appreciate what John Cena could do is that in the midst of all that, rarely does he ever, you know, sink and just sort of like seem like he's kind of shriveling under whatever that is. He embraces it. He works with it. He does stuff with it. I mean, he he's a guy that no matter what. You know, we talk about it. He has it. And he was always able to, regardless of if half the crowd was booing him and half the crowd was cheering him or whatever was going on, he was able to adapt to that situation and just get reactions one way or another. Roman Reigns just doesn't. I mean, even the boos, even when we talk about the boos and the reactions, like we always laugh about it on Twitter. We always, you know, I always say the crowd goes mild. And that's like he doesn't even elicit like horrible boos he just elicits like a smattering of boos and then the people that love him just kind of like do that and then like a few people like touch him on the shoulder when he comes down to the ring it's like you're not getting that visceral reaction that john cena got where it was like the other one half of the crowd wants this guy dead and the other half of the crowd wants him to you know hold every single title and be the the, the greatest you know wrestler in history it's he's reigns doesn't get that from anybody like nobody the, the crowd just there's just no connection and and again it's it you know we it, it sucks that we can't it's this undefinable it but you just know it when you see it and we've never seen it with Roman Reigns and I think more and more people are starting to see that it's just like the guy just he doesn't connect and that's okay like some guys just don't do that that's that's pro wrestling he's, sometimes he's hardly but, the first guy to get a huge push and it didn't work out but he might be the guy getting the longest amount of attempt at a like this guy has just I mean we're going out we're going to be two years now yeah. <laughs> just like of this guy being the focal point and and it's just it's at what point do you just say, okay, as, <laughs> like rating, as ratings continue to plummet? Yeah, and it's, it, just, it's, there's not, just and it's really not even about to build on the point you just made. It's not even really about when he gets booed out of the building. But what about these, 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 um, these, these week to week raws where, like you said, he comes out and it's just nothing. Those are the scary ones. And that's just about every raw. When they're not in a quote-unquote smart town and he comes out on Raw and he comes down those steps and, and like I say all the time, no one's cheering, no one's booing. The crowd is just kind of looking at him, dead behind the eyes, slack-jawed, like, okay, it's Roman Reigns. Like, no one really cares. They're not impressed. They're not hating him. They're just watching him, you know? And it's like he gets in the rain and it's just nothing. It, it, th that's worse than when he gets booed out of the building. Agreed, yeah. It, it's like – 
Because you can't do anything. Apathy and wrestling. That. Apathy and wrestling is the absolute worst thing. And he, like, get, you, and, you... and he gets apathy more than any mega-pushed guy I've ever seen. He gets he gets straight-up apathy. It's scary. That's the scary part. That's 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 Roman Reigns. Uh, other part about Raw, uh, Mr. Shane McMahon. What was your thoughts on on that comeback and the uh, the rumored, of course? I, I what are your thoughts? So we got Shane McMahon comes back, of course. Big surprise, big crowd reaction, <laughs> which is always funny when like Shane McMahon like blows away the pop that you know Roman Reigns could get on on any given day. But um, what are your thoughts on the, the the chance that we get Shane McMahon and The Undertaker at, at WrestleMania? Are you one of these people that believes no way that's not the match they're going to do? Or do you think, eh, you know, they, they, that's, they could do that match? No, I think people are right. I think because from a storyline perspective, what's, why, why would The under? Okay, first of all, it's, it's going to take a lot of – there's going to be a lot of hoop jumping if it's going to happen. It's a Hell in the Cell match. What's Undertaker's motivation <laughs> – to beat up Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell and help Vince Mc, Mr. McMahon and Stephanie. Like, there's no motivation there for Undertaker. Um, why would he want to beat up Shane McMahon in, in a cell? So I think that they're going to go somewhere. I think the best theory I saw, and I don't remember where I saw it first, but now it's everywhere. So apologies to whoever said it first, um, is that the Undertaker says, hold on a second. I'm not down with this shit. And he ends up in the match, but fighting in place of Shane. And Shane McMahon doesn't actually wrestle in the match. Whereas Undertaker becomes his surrogate. And then Vince, Mr. McMahon, has to find somebody else to face Undertaker to mm-hmm. represent his side. So I think that's more likely. Um, and that may be where, like, Braun Strowman comes into play or something like that. Um, so And it, it was announced uh, as we were doing the show that Undertaker will be on Raw uh, this Monday. So yeah. we, get it, we get it pretty quick. We'll have some sort of resolution or something pretty quick. Right. Now, as far as Shane McMahon coming back... I got to tell you, all day long, they're hinting, you know, people were hinting huge things. Um, it was one of those deals where they were hiding the script and they, they left the opening segment blank on the run sheet. They're keeping this big secret. And when Shane McMahon came out, I was going to make a smarmy tweet like, really, you're, you're hiding run sheets for Shane McMahon? Like, to me, it wasn't that big a deal. But then, before I hit <laughs> send, I saw a lot of people going out of their minds for it. And I pumped the brakes because, you know, People were having fun watching Raw, and I wasn't going to shit on it. I wasn't going to be right. that guy. So I said, all right, I'm the outlier here. I don't think he's a big deal. But you, you also have to remember, he was during the era of WWE where I was least interested in the company. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was not into that era at all. So he doesn't mean anything to me. So I, that's why I, I didn't you know, I didn't want to come off like a troll. Well, when people are into uh, wrestling, I don't always want to piss in their cornflakes. I, I think that's uncouth. Yeah, so I, I, I think – I think the big thing with Shane McMahon is not that you grew. I mean, I, I I'm in the era of I grew up. I actually enjoyed Shane McMahon as I was a kid because you know I was young and he, he went through tables and I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's really cool. Like I don't think I ever had that. You know, I don't think that's a huge reason why a bunch of people were way into Shane McMahon when he came back. It might have been for some people. I think one of the big reasons, and it, it again, it's what we talk about of sort of the modern fan and how they react to certain things is Shane McMahon coming out there and saying, you, you know, a coming out which people just did not think was going to happen because people are smarter than we give them credit for. People know that. It, that he, you know, is ostracized from the family. They haven't seen him for a while. He was over in China slash Japan or, you know what I mean? Like people know that it wasn't really, you know, the greatest relationship between him and Vince and him and the rest of the family, uh, particularly him and Stephanie and Triple H. So when he comes out there and he cuts a promo, which to his credit, he did a great job with that promo because it had the hints of reality in there. It had people buying in and going, you know what? 
maybe Shane McMahon doesn't like Stephanie or oh, we know that Shane doesn't really, you know, have a great relationship with Vince or that he doesn't really, you know, buddy buddy with his sister Stephanie or whatever. So I think that was a part that really people bought into it a little bit. And I've seen tons of articles um, and we talk about, you know, the IWC again. I saw, you know, Shane McMahon stuff on like Deadspin and Fox Sports and all these just like gigantic websites that were covering, you know, Shane McMahon coming back to 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 WWE. And a lot of them were talking or linking back to old articles that are like, yeah, Shane's kind of on the rocks. Like Shane does this. You know, he he sold his stock like he did this sort of stuff. So I think that's a big part of it is that they hit on a, a, a person and a story that had hints of reality. Like, and that's the big part, you know, circling back a little bit to Roman Reigns is people don't buy that Roman Reigns is being screwed by the management of the company. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, nobody's ever bought that story. And that's the story that they've tried to tell. People bought it when it was CM Punk. People bought it when it was Daniel Bryan because there was hints of reality in there. People don't buy with Roman Reigns, but people buy that Shane McMahon kind of out of nowhere, last minute, maybe jumps in here. Maybe he, people can legitimately get, you know, they, they can suspend their disbelief that this guy just showed up and said, Hey, you know, <laughs> remember this contract we said and all this sort guess. of stuff. It's yeah, it's sort of, it's weird. And it's, it, it probably, you know, there's obviously some deal in place one way or another, but at least you can suspend your disbelief a little bit in that sense and go, Oh man, like, cause I had buddies being like, well, where was Shane? Like, why was he gone forever? And I said, Oh no, he's like legitimately did not get along with them for a while. Like he was doing his own business thing. He was in a different country at times. Like, so it's cool. And I think that's a big reason why a bunch of people w- were really excited about it. Not because they liked watching him dive off of, high, you know, tall things in 2000, but rather that there was so much reality in that, story being told that it was sort of something they could buy into a little bit more than Stephanie coming out and and shrieking and then Roman Reigns, you know, being backstage saying something stupid like that, that nobody cares about. Nobody buys into that. This at least had a little bit of a different feel and, and look to it. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I think that there there is some reality sprinkled in, and and you're right about that. And it does tie into Roman Reigns very well. I think that was a good point too. Where no one just no one buys the storyline on any level. We at our you know at our cores we all want to be able to suspend our disbelief a little bit. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the best. When CM Punk is sitting on the stage, you know, doing the pipe bomb promo, um, you know, for those eight minutes or whatever, we're all suspending our disbelief and we're like, yeah, you know, stick it to him. You know, it, it's we all want to suspend our disbelief a little bit. It makes it always makes it a little bit better. You want to believe that when Okada is telling Goto he's a loser and he doesn't take him seriously because he's a failure, that there's a hint of reality. Maybe not, <laughs> maybe not a ton of reality in there. Like we know he doesn't mean it. But we like to think there's a hint of reality and it adds something to it, you know? So mm-hmm. we, we all want to suspend this belief. Look, at least I do. I know that when I watch wrestling, it's it's a lot more fun when I'm able to suspend this belief, uh, at least as much as I can as a, as a, as a adult with a functioning brain. Um, and, and you're right. You can't do that with Roman Reigns. It just comes off goofy and forced. Well, and Lesnar's one that you always – I've always had that connection with him because I legitimately believe that he's like – very close to like killing somebody in the ring every time he's there, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or killing himself or killing somebody. So you can't look away when you're in a Brock Lesnar match. Cause he's going to, you know, I, I was at that raw where he just tossed a TV monitor into the ring and it flipped up and like went into the crowd. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, so I always get that with the Brock Lesnar is that you have this, this, you know, there's always this sort of cautious approach to him. Cause it's like, Oh my God, this guy's just a maniac. And he is a maniac that we know that Brock Lesnar is a weirdo and a maniac and just this out of control, you know, like big, strong bull. And that's, that's again, it's, just it, it's it's making a connection to the crowd and just having it and that's just you know shane was able to do that on monday and all these other guys were able to do it but we're, we're all you know roman can't do it so it's it's interesting but anyway uh the shane mcmahon thing is is very interesting and if you follow um 
any WWE accounts, they were all over shaming. I mean, he's got a Twitter account now. He's got a new Facebook page and he's tweeting out about how well, you know, how great it is to be back. So, that, you know, some people have speculated, oh, is this just like, a, hey, I'm just going to come in for WrestleMania and bounce. I don't know. <laughs> this has a lot. I mean, they're they're investing a lot in this guy uh, and, and they seem to be, you know, going on a full on offensive of marketing uh, him as well. So I think he might be here to stay one way or another, uh, whether that means, you know, actual business wise or just storyline wise. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Um, like I said, I'm glad people are excited about it and, and enjoyed it and everything. So, um, you know, it's just, and the other thing too, is it's just finally like a, Oh my God, is the authority thing finally going to end? Like, as we know it, like there's just such a clamor to like, Oh, thank God. Somebody else. Yeah, I have like, no confidence what, in that, but, but what sucks though, is it's in a McMahon and it, it'd probably be, you know, it'll be the same thing and then he'll turn of and course, be, cause they don't, they don't know how to tell that story. They do not know how to tell a story without, you know, well, who, who makes the matches? How, how do the matches get made? Like they just can't do yeah. it. And, so. and, and, and yeah. And, and you know, it would end with a swerve and, and him and Stephanie holding each other's arms up and, and right. they'll be the ones screwing uh, Roman reigns for eternity. So, you know, it's, it, it never ends. So, right. exactly. you know, I, I have no confidence in that. And really that, that might be the number one thing that needs to go away immediately after WrestleMania. Just, just get rid of just the scrub authority. That, yeah, just scrub it away. It, it's just have a different way to tell a story. I mean, it's geez. just, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> we're on, we're 20 plus years of it. it. It's, it's, it might be time to move on. So yeah. Um, fast lane. Do you want to talk about fast lane here real quick while we're, while we're in WWE land? I think we have to. Okay, let's do it. So the uh, pre-show, I uh, as predicted on the show, I was making food and I uh, I turned on WWE Network and it was like one to one and Kalisto was almost beaten. Uh, like so, I I, what, I don't. What know. do you hate worse, pre-show matches or elimination matches? Uh, pre-show matches. What I if think. they booked a pre-show elimination match? <laughs> I wouldn't see it. I'd be making food. I would... Rich, do you skip foreplay? Uh, no, no. You see, you know, you, you seem to with these wrestling cards. <laughs> no, because it comes on too early. Like I'm, I, so it, it's a Sunday. I'm probably doing stuff. I'm out and about. You know, doing errand, running errands or whatever. And then like I always forget. Like because in my head, the, the pay per view starts at seven. Like it's, it's always in my head that it starts at seven. And I get this weird like freak out. It's like six twenty or six twenty five. I'm like ah shit, the pre show. And I turn it on, and then you know it's halfway over. It, it's if the pre show. Why isn't the, I, I said this on the show last week? Why isn't the pre show start at like six forty five? And like lead you into fast lane, but it like happens at the bottom of the hour, and then they have just a bunch of stupid, you know, Corey Graves at a desk talking, and then a promo about fast lane, and then begging me to buy the WWE Network, and then the pay per view starts. It's like no, just do the pre show before that. This one, this one was an hour long. I don't know how long they are typically, um, because I watch them after the fact. I think they're usually an hour, but I mean, they they didn't they they didn't get to the match until there was like twenty minutes left. Um, you know, cause I skipped through real quick and watch it. Cause I was interested in this match. I was actually pretty hyped for this match last week. Uh, people were probably, uh, but, but yeah, so I watched it and it played out exactly like I, I thought it would. They rushed through the first two falls. They took 9,000 commercial breaks and you really couldn't get into the flow of the match because of that. It felt like a decent match and, um, you know, Callisto retained, which is good. You know, I really, I really thought that. Del Rio would put Callisto in the rearview mirror, you know, four matches ago, and that would have been it for Callisto. You know what I mean? So let's give them a little credit. You know, he won again, and they're going to keep moving forward with this guy. So that that then, you know, I, I I don't know what his upside is or what his ceiling is, but look, man, I, I did, did baby steps. I think they're doing the right thing here. So I I, I thought Del Rio was going to win this feud at, the, at the, every turn, but I can't really break down the match. I can't get into the flow of these matches when they're taking a thousand commercials. Yeah. I just can't get into it. 
Uh, so move on to the uh, the actual part of the card then. Uh, so we start off with the opener here. Uh, it was Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks versus Team Bad, Naomi and Tamina. Uh, what do you think of this guy? I actually really enjoyed this match. You gave it three and three quarters, man. I loved it. I thought I thought Becky played the role her role perfect uh, of sort of the the. I thought the Becky for whatever reason that Becky Sasha tag team just it was like a very classic tag team thing. You know, Sasha gets the hot tag, Becky gets beaten down forever. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought Naomi was solid in there, and and Tamina wasn't horrendously awful. Tamina so. was Tamina was okay, and no one beats up Tamina like I beat up Tamina. Well, I, that might not even be true. Everyone beats up Tamina, but. She was okay. And I, I got to tell you, even though she was, if you would have told me before the match, look, Tamina's going to be average. I'd say, wow, this has a chance to be really something great. And you, you thought it was very good. I didn't, think it was, I, enjoyed it. I didn't think it was as good as you. I didn't hate it or anything. I thought it was a nice little match. Um, I didn't have any problem with it, but it, it didn't blow me away like it did you and some others, to be fair. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't just you. Uh, move on. Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, so the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Kevin Owens won uh, 15 minutes. Actually, as a, as actually a... let me cut you off. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you believe for one second that they're really going to go through with the Lynch-Banks winner facing Charlotte? Because I know they're doing a three-way, right? No, it's a three-way. Yeah, it's a three-way. Day. Which, which disappoints me because, okay, I think all three of them deserve a WrestleMania spot. And I think it'll, for once there'll be a, a strong WrestleMania spot and a well-earned one. Uh, for the Divas title. It would be triple threat matches. But it's like, and, and I'd hate to see someone get bumped from the show. So from that perspective, I'm kind of torn, but I'd really would like to just see a singles match. Go yeah, out there and let them have an NXT takeover match, right? But Yeah, exactly. And mostly because the way WWE does triple threat matches too. They just, they suck. <laughs> They're just the worst. It's, you know, Becky will be outside of the ring for 10 minutes, then Sasha will be out for five. You know, we know the, the song and dance over the triple threat. So, yeah, but I think I, I think that's the direction they're going. And, and I'd be shocked. If they and didn't. look, I look, I'm going to beat up the Bellas again. Thank God they're out of the picture because they'd somehow be involved in this at WrestleMania. Yep. And and that's a shame because, you know, they've been surpassed in my I'm not going to do that whole rant again, but they've been surpassed by people in terms of ability and interest level for me and everything else. So um, good for all three of them for getting on the card, but I really, really would rather see one on a one-on-one match. Yeah. There. I'm with you there. Uh, again, and, and, uh, we, going might back be, to and we might be complaining about something that, that doesn't, maybe they will. will yeah. Who knows? Give them benefit of the doubt. Maybe they will, but I, I really see a three-way coming. No, I mean, you saw at the Royal Rumble that that was sort of the build and, and yeah. the intention and, and nothing has changed my mind since then that, that it would be anything but that. So, uh, Intercontinental Championship. I mentioned Owens uh, defeating Ziggler to retain the title. Uh, I thought this was just okay. I gave it three and a quarter. I, I I don't know. It just went. I thought it went too long, and it, I can't care about anything Dolph Ziggler does anymore. Like Owens was fine. Owens is great in this match. Actually, it was just his in ring banter is just the best. He just screams at the crowd and screams at Ziggler as he's got him in headlocks. Like that guy just harnesses that character so so well. And 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 in ring he delivers. I mean, each and every time, at least you get something good. He hasn't like I legit cannot think of what I would literally. Consider consider a bad uh, Kevin Owens match. Like, I don't think I, I've seen one of those uh, yet, or, or at least in, in a long while uh, in WWE, not off the top of my head. But yeah, this one I thought was just okay. Uh, not bad, not great, but just kind of there. I thought he was having very good to great matches every single time out for the longest time last year. He cooled off towards the end of the year. He had some duds, some TV matches that were, you know, duds. And uh, this wasn't anything great. I thought it was a little better than the um, than the previous match, the Divas tag, but not much better. Um, both, both, you know, nice little matches, but again, it's like we talked about last week. It's, you know, Ziggler, you want to talk about a guy who's in desperate need of a total fresh coat of paint. It's that guy. And you're right. It's hard to get behind him. Uh, anything he does. And, 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 and Owens, I mean, was it just me or did at the tail end of that match, did he yank a sign from a fan and then throw up the Yuji Hino double middle fingers? 
<laughs> because I don't think you're supposed to do shit like that. And the camera is cutting away just as he's starting to make that. I think he threw the double. I think he lost himself, forgot his environment, and threw up the double middle finger to that fan. I I, I tried to watch it three times. It cuts off just as he's motioning his hand. Hmm. Has, you think that might have been a uh, reason why he was absent from Raw? I, I don't know. Because I was going to say, I was wondering. I was like, wow, I wonder if they're going to punish him tomorrow. And it's like... I, I don't know if they're going to punish him. Where was he? Unless there I missed go. him. I, it looks like you missed him too. Uh, no, he was not on Raw. He wasn't on that's Raw. That's what I mean. So uh, yeah. did he? is that like a low-key suspension or something? I don't know. So I haven't heard anyone else talk about it. I think he threw up double middle fingers at the fan while the camera was on him. <laughs> that's, God bless and he would And he would do that. I could see him losing his head and doing something like that. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, I'm. He's done that for so long. I mean, yeah, that's that's been the Kevin Steen for forever, and he hasn't his character hasn't really changed. So, uh, I don't. Uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if that did happen. So I'll move on. Big Show, Kane, and Ryback defeating the Wyatt family: Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, and Braun Strowman. What do you think of this guy? I was shocked at how. I mean, I still gave it. I gave it three and a quarter. It wasn't like any great shakes, but I was shocked at how how quickly paced. At least, just I, I thought this was way better than it had any right to be. Oh, absolutely! I was, I was very surprised how good this was. Ryback was awesome. Ryback was so good in this. He match. was. He was the best. He was. He absolutely was. Um, Kane being like the sympathetic baby face. It was just the weirdest match ever. Like Kane was getting beat down for like five minutes and doing hot tags. I was just like, what is going on here? But it worked. It really did. I like these Wyatt family matches when Bray's not in them. And you know. I Think about that for a second. I'd rather see Eric yeah. Eric Rowan and Braun Strowman. But uh true. Strowman. Is it Strowman or Strowman? It's Strowman. Don't listen to Brian Alvarez. Don't listen now, to Because now everyone says Strowman, and now I'm thinking, is it Strowman? No, it's always been Strowman. They always go Strowman. It's, no, it's Strowman. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, you know, but yeah, this was way better than it had any right to be. Um, confusing finish. I, you know, I wasn't expecting that. But... uh I wasn't expecting the Wyatt side to lose, but I guess when Bray's not in these matches, they can lose. I, I don't know what the, the thinking is there, but um, yeah, way better than look. It continued the theme of this show, which was it was a very good episode of Raw to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this not so much. Charlotte uh, defeating Brie Bella for the Divas Championship. Uh, for some reason, Dave Meltzer said he really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I gave it two and a half stars, and that might even be generous. That that's honestly like the last five minutes I thought was pretty cool especially uh Brie Bella you know the 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 hint of her maybe winning uh the crowd got way into that and it was a cool little story and then like she just decided to that her leg hurt or something and she let go of the <laughs> the hold and then Charlotte pinned her and they like they were botching spots left and right all the way before it was just kind of it was bad it's because <laughs> it's because Brie Bella stinks and Brie Bella's horrible and, bye <laughs> yeah ya, like, get lost uh, don't ever come back. And Charlotte is, uh, you know, she's she can't carry it. I mean, if you're not going to put her with somebody that's OK, it's going to look I agree. like this. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, and it really puts some perspective on those page matches, which I loved and no one else seemed to. I mean, they blew away this piece of crap. Um, but, yeah, it was just a match. I didn't think it was horrible or anything. I don't know if that's grading on a Bella curve. I don't know. But we'll move on. It, it didn't it didn't offend me, but it was it was just a match. But it was the right yeah. finish, and I'm glad that that they didn't do the stupid quickie title change. Yeah, right. We're right. Yeah, we we definitely made the right call, and they've already started using that you know win as as heat for Charlotte, which is is all so far and away the right move than giving Brie Bella some stupid you know title win just because you know it, it makes no sense. It's stupid. Uh, then we move on. AJ Styles uh, defeating Chris Jericho by submission. 
by submission. We'll talk about that here in a sec. Uh, long match, I I don't know, though. It, it just, for whatever reason, didn't really click with me. And, you know, these guys have had really good TV matches. It was like their TV matches, and particularly that one on SmackDown a few weeks ago, was just better than this one. I, I don't know. There was just something weird here. Jericho seemed off by a few steps. Styles seemed a little off by a few. I don't, I don't know what it was here, but it uh, it just didn't connect with me on on the same level that those TV matches have. Look, this match was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. I enjoyed it. It held my attention. AJ Styles has taken shits in the G1 that were better than this. And it's yeah. like, I, look, and then Jericho's into this. I think Jericho's into the matches. He's into the feud. But for whatever reason, this look, this when AJ Styles is on pay-per-view and, and he's in a match like this, which isn't bogged down with WWE gimmicks and, and storyline nonsense and whatnot, I want to see AJ Styles go out there and have an AJ Styles four-star G1 match. Why not? They gave him, what, 8, 15, 16 minutes? I mean, that's the length. That's the sweet spot, you know? And uh, we didn't really get that. And and that was a little disappointing. It was just a match. It was a good Raw match is what it was, which continued the theme of this being like a good Raw show, complete <laughs> right. with in-ring segments that I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, boy, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, kicking out of the Styles Clash, you know, that, that sparked up a lot of uh, activity on our Twitter feed. <laughs> but, I mean, here, here's the thing about people who say, well, all the finishers get kicked out. <laughs> That's, the That's the point, dummy. This is, this, <laughs> Don't do that anymore. This Stop. is their chance to make someone's finisher special. They have a clean slate. You have a, you have a clean slate with a new guy who people already happen to know who he is. He's already mm-hmm. over. The move is already over because other places have protected it to death. And you have a chance, a clean slate to get a move over like death, which in which in effect then gets the wrestler over. Okay? <laughs> he, he put Roman Reigns in the Styles class position 30 seconds into his debut and the, and the roof blew off of the building in Atlanta or wherever the hell the rumble was. So in his first pay-per-view singles match. <laughs> You don't have a guy. You don't have Chris Jericho of all people kick out of it. I mean, that's so. It's just look. And again, I had to make this point to people. It, I'm not saying that this destroys AJ Styles. Oh, not at all. Buries no. it, but it does make you just roll your eyes, groan, and say, you know what? They're doing their best to make him just another guy. Yep, the hamster wheel. Just yes. throw him on the hamster wheel. Yep, and he doesn't have to be. You had a chance. To immediately have someone who could be in the main event picture and be taken, and you're just making him another guy because his move that has killed people for the last three years gets kicked out of firmly in a firm mid card match against a part timer. I mean, God, man. Now, look, I love the idea of establishing a secondary finisher. I think Absolutely. everyone should establish that. I think they're doing a good job in NXT doing that. Now, the thing about NXT. The last taping, or it was either two tapings before the last taping where they had everybody use a secondary finisher. They had Sami Zayn use like a Koji clutch or whatever. And you know, they had everybody use a secondary finisher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, that might just be, you know, this company goes through fads. This is the fad of the month. We're all going to do it. And then they forget about it. Yeah, no first names. Now it's everybody has second finishers. The... Right. So who knows if they'll stick it through with the second finisher thing. You've seen it with AJ Styles a little bit now, too. And and and, and the thing is, anyone who's worked for a big company knows that that's nothing different. We've all been to meetings where there's just something that the company wants to hammer home for a month, and that's all anybody talks about. And 
Then a month later, everyone forgets about it, and they move on to the next uh, directive that every yeah, we all we can all relate to that if you worked in you know a, a big company or whatever. But um, and that it's kind of like hopefully that's not just some silly directive they forget about because I think it's it it, it helps tremendously to have secondary finishers established. Um, but yeah, this was a mistake. We talked about it last week, and I'm not gonna rehash that. But they you know they really had a chance here to do something different and special and make this guy stand out. And it's just the same old, same old. He's just you're just they're doing their best to make him another guy. And then and then, you know, on Raw or whatever it is or SmackDown or whatever it was, he's teaming with Jericho, the guy who supposedly Jericho's cutting a promo on this show about how, you know, uh, you know how he doesn't like AJ Styles, even if he, he, he respects him or whatever. And oh, then he's tag teaming with him. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. come on. It's, it's they're making. Welcome to the hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's again, the Styles Clash thing, you know, people were. It's not doom and gloom. The guy's not done. He's not dead. But it's just like it's a missed opportunity. It's something that it's it's so easy to do. It's something that doesn't require that much thought and is a wrestling thing that that has just it works. It, it's worked for decades. And then how about it, say, look? And if you want to kick out of it, how about saving it for a big spot? Right. When it will have right. some impact instead of the middle of the fucking fast lane. And then within two seconds, he gets the cat cutter and it's over. It's like, well, you just did nothing with it. You right. just piss it away for no and reason. On top of that, no he won anyway. Right, he won in, in the next second. He retransitioned out of the kickout into the cap cutter, done, over, win. It, it, you just did nothing. You did absolutely nothing with what could have been a big moment, with what could have been a big finish, and that's the problem. And that's what people have, and people saying, well, everybody does that in WWE. It's not that big of a deal. Well, that's the fucking point is, you know, it goes back to our first segment. This is a company that can't organically build a, a, a star in the past 10 years. Maybe we should change a little bit about how we approach certain things. Yeah, just the and thought. This, this was like, a good op- and it- by saying this is what they always do, that's yes, I agree. That is what they always do, and that's why I'm upset. Was that the most over move in wrestling before he came into this company? Oh God, yes. Oh, absolutely. So it's like you had that opportunity. It's not just you know, this isn't signing. This isn't even like this isn't signing Bobby Fish and having someone break the fish hook. This was the most over move in wrestling. Is is part of this too? You know what I mean? Let's not treat this like this is just some, you know, just some guy coming in with some finisher. So this was the most over moving. It's like, look, if and if you're going to kick out of it, then Jericho either needs to win the match or if Styles is going to win. Just win with the fucking calf cutter and don't even do the Styles Clash (laughs) or or set up the Styles Clash and have Jericho fight like death to avoid getting hit with it. How about that? There was a million different things you could have done, and this was the last thing that they should have done. It was just awful. And that's why that's why we were frustrated. That's why I personally was frustrated. And I think you were on, on Twitter a little bit about it as well. So, all right. Uh, Then we had the New Day (laughs) Christian segment, which if you had like. The best part about that is coming in, you know, I've always, I always enjoyed Edge and Christian as, as when I was, you know, I know that that was an era of WWE that you don't really remember all that well or don't really care to remember all that well. But the 2000 Edge and Christian, I was a huge fan. I loved it. I thought their their comedy was funny. I, I've I always love, enjoyed love those. that act, too. I love that act, too. Yeah, I thought they was always cool guys. They were like legitimately funny guys. Like there's very few WWE acts that are actually legitimately funny. and I actually make me for laugh. the five second pose every time. Right. They were one of the ones that did that. So, you know, they have a show coming up. So, oh, cool. That's pretty good. Oh, they're going to be on stuck with the New Day. Oh, this should be good. And then. 75 minutes later or however long this fucking thing went on for I I, I, I want to delete WWE Network and never watch that show ever again like the, the Edge and Christian show I have zero desire to see that thing what did was you, did this? Did you watch it? I, I saw like five minutes of it. It had its moments. A lot of it was eye rolly and cringy, but some of it was kind of clever. I saw the the part that I saw was Vince McMahon uh, join, coming to the office and being like, "Oh, Adam, hey, how's it going?" <laughs> well, did Chris you see the, like, hey. the one zinger he gave the Christian though? That was good. 
he said, yes. uh, he said to Edge, I like you. I like you, Edge. And then he goes, I don't like you. I never liked you. Don't you read the internet? Right. Which was, yeah, that, I thought that was good. That's yeah. a good line. That was a good line. And, and, and they did some stuff that was fun and they did some stuff that was cringy. The Shockmaster stuff was all right. I'm glad they dug up, uh, you know, Tugboat to show up for that. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 more of it missed than hit, though. I'll say that. Okay. All right. This segment on this pay per view, the whole <laughs> thing missed. God. The new, the new day. I, I love the new day, but man, these like putting them in these like twenty minute segments is just death. It's like they have to go out there and do like just generic stuff. I mean, like Biggie being talking about LeBron James and Cleveland. Like, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. They, like, I, I will say this about New Day: they were perilously close to jumping the shark for a while there, and they did manage to reel that back. And 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 now they're, they're they've moved back from that line. So I, I will give them that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll agree. But yeah, this I mean, they, they keep getting these segments that just go on and on and on and on are just they're sometimes they're too much. Yeah, I, I did. Did just, you do you watch Ride Along on the award winning WWE? No, I, I, I haven't yet. I've heard it's pretty solid. It, Is that true? The one I saw with the New Day and then the other car was uh, was Dolphin Miz. Um, you know, you know, if you get that New Day. That'll never jump the shark. Those guys are just fucking because well, they're legitimately funny dudes. Yeah, right? exactly, and they all have great chemistry together. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, they, and I think that that's why the act works so well. So, and and just and you know, Big E is just such a tremendous Twitter follow. I mean, because again, he he takes these shots of people that are rooted in reality. Yep. But he's still having a little bit of fun with it, and the way he just destroys Sheamus on Twitter. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just Seamus. It's like Seamus doesn't realize he's in over his head. He cannot compete with the man's wit. You ever have friends where one is just way wittier than the other. And it's just the other guy never comes out on top. Like, that's yeah. what that's like. It's it's almost you feel bad for Seamus. Uh, and then we had a cool down from the 20 minute talking in the ring segment. Uh, Curtis Axel versus our uh, truth. Okay, Roman Reigns, uh, the main event. We talked about that, so well, we're done there. Well, Curtis uh, Axel won a match. He did. Axelmania, baby. So, you know, that's all right. You know, it was a little, uh, you know, I can't even call it a superstar. It's superstars, they would have went nine minutes. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I don't know what this was. This was this was a Raw match, except, you know, the, the guy that wouldn't have won on Raw won here. So, I don't know. Very bizarre. But then, of course, we had the main event, which we talked about that. That was just I, I, Lesnar and Ambrose were, were on fire here. Lesnar in particular, I thought was was great. And, and Ambrose just played his role. Perfect. I mean, he was he was the guy that he was showing fire and every step of the way was just like you, you couldn't help but react to him. You couldn't help but put your eyes on him. And, and Reigns doesn't ever does that. So, yeah. And, and Lesnar just going through the tables and just continuing to come up like a damn bull like that he is. You know, he, he's just he's awesome. And I I, love, I I give it four stars. I really enjoyed the main event. Yeah, I went a little. And higher. I usually don't like triple threat matches. I mean, I just talked about it on this segment alone that that I I just can't stand WWE triple threat matches. But this was just this was awesome. I went a little higher than that. You know, I thought it was a great, a legitimately great match. And um, you know, it's like y- Dean Ambrose was just on another level in this match. This this was maybe his best WWE performance to date. And since I was not a fan of John Moxley at all. This may have been my favorite Dean Ambrose performance of all time. I, I didn't really like him on the indie scene. I didn't understand the fascination, and he proved me wrong when he came to this company. 
So I think he's actually a better fit for this company than he was for the Indies. Um, at, at least, you know, in my eyes, uh, maybe I, that's inaccurate. People were crazy about him on the Indies. So maybe that's not fair. Maybe it was just a me thing. But uh, yeah, this was his definitive performance. I thought that he was fucking great here. He really was. Brock is always yeah. great. And Roman just got outshined by these guys uh, to a tremendous degree, like I talked about earlier. And uh, it was kind of, and, and which is kind of embarrassing because. He took the same beating that Dean Ambrose took, and Dean Ambrose managed to stand out. Brock yep. Lesnar spent half the match buried under two different sets of tables, and he managed to stand out. And Roman was just kind of – he was a wrestler who wrestled on the fast lane pay-per-view. Yep. You know, that's what he was. All right. Uh, we'll leave WWE land for a little bit here and go to Japan where there's a lot of news. Of course, the Kota Ibushi news was the big news coming out of um, – on Sunday, as Fastlane was going on, it kind of distracted a lot of people in the midst of the Fastlane uh, uh, pay-per-view. If you don't know, though, uh, which I'm sure most people that follow this account or listen to this show probably know, but anyway, just to kind of catch you up, uh, Kota Bushi announced that he uh, is officially a freelancer. He will not be re-signing with New Japan or DDT. Uh, he said that while he was injured, he realized he was keeping a ridiculous pace, working for both both groups, uh, and which led to and this that led to his decision here. Um, he is returning uh, March twenty first uh, for DDT. Uh, they have a show at Sumo Hall, so he'll be returning there. Uh, and we thought that was kind of the it. And we're like, okay, he's going freelance. What is he doing? Maybe the Global Cruiserweight Series. What are we doing? And then like five minutes later, another pop shell dropped, and it was the most two thousand sixteen ever. Is Abushi is setting out to start his own organization slash promotion. It will be called the Abushi Rest. Wrestling Research Institute. And right now he is the only member. So <laughs> he has not hired anybody. Uh, they have no idea what they're doing, but uh, he has created his own company and he's the only member of it. So uh, what the hell do you make of this news? There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> um, okay, first of all, listen, we tell it like it is on this show. One thing we always scream about is be fair. I got to take an L here, right? I mean, let, let me have it. So people made a bit, we're making a big deal over him working the dual schedule. And I went on an island and stood alone bravely and said bullshit. Because even though he's working for two different companies, he's working less matches than the New Japan regulars. He's working less matches than a lot of the DDT guys. I don't buy the fact that working, that simply working in two different sets of rings means that it's taking an extra physical toll on the man. In fact... I still don't buy it, even though he's. But because the man said it, I gotta take the L. He he. It came out of his own mouth. He said that working for both groups did wear him down, both physically and mentally. Now, personally, I think it was probably more of a mental thing because I could totally see that. Um, a lot of pressure from both sides and whatnot. But hey, if he said it wore him down physically, who am I to argue? So I gotta take the L for that. I was wrong. Um, as far as, um. Starting his own promotion. Well, it's not really his own promotion. It's going to be under the DDT banner. Um, Look, my whole point was, look, the last thing Japan needs, the last (laughs) thing Tokyo needs is another promotion. And look, I know it's not going to be even attempt to be some kind of big time promote. Look, it's going to just be a little one of these little offshoot indies. This one actually is going to be under the umbrella of, of a bigger company. But again, do we really need that? Do we need that? There's just too many promotions in Japan. And I'm someone who always fights people when they say certain promotions should fold. Japan and particularly Tokyo really do have too many promotions. It's a joke. Um, it's well, yeah, I mean, God, Akibono's thing hasn't even started yet. <laughs> that's another one that's going to happen. Like, which has no reason to exist. Right. 
and and his is even worse because he's legitimately trying to start something and he's going to use like his own talent presumably yeah and it's like that's a with the blessing of baba of, of the the patriarch of the baba it's just a, it's a it's a splinter <laughs> of a splinter of a splinter it's just it you know it, it just spreads it and that thing. first splinter is about <laughs> is, is struggling to make money so it's it's a very odd yeah uh way to go about it but yeah so that's not what this is but I, I i mean come on i'm not hyped about another fucking shitty grimy indie that is probably going to be shitty and grimy and- <laughs> well and people were bringing this up as well they're like oh how can you not like look I, if i was 20 if i was 21 20 you know you know, yeah, it probably would be pretty awesome to be like, oh, cool, another thing to watch. Another, I don't have time to watch what I have already. Like, we're going to talk about a bounce around Japan, and I've seen half of it. Like, I already struggle <laughs> to watch these things. Do we really and need have enough time? Listen, like, I just don't have time Rich, to do it. Do we like, really need another fucking Guts World, Basara fucking? No. We don't need, I mean, geez, it's like the world doesn't need it. You know, is it, is it going to collapse the Japanese wrestling economy? No. Is it that big of a deal? No. But the, come on, we just don't need it. It's too much. Running the same buildings, the same people. It's, the same, and it's like the fan base, too. You got to think of that. We talked about that a lot last year uh, with Cork and Hall of, of a possible reason why New Japan has struggles, you know, drawing there. A, they give you shitty shows all the time in Kurikin. But B, like we looked at the numbers. I mean, there are there's like 600 shows running at Kurikin or some ridiculous number. I forgot. I don't think it was 600, but it was some like ungodly amount of shows that were running at Kurikin in, in 2015. And it was like double what it had been any other years. Just, there's just so many people running that city. And, and there's there's a finite number of wrestling fans. And it's not, you know, it's not at its peak either it's not like there's billions of fans waiting to consume this stuff it's they're they're all it's a very small little potter it's a very small little pie that they're all trying to get bits of and and at some point a lot of fans are gonna go hey look i can't support all these shows like i can't go to every single freaking corican show like it, it's it, there's so much i mean that thing is running a show almost every day it, it's just insane you really don't need another shinjuku face promotion using the same grimy indie guys having the same grimy indie matches in front of the same 200 board fans i don't know hopefully <laughs> hopefully it'll be something cool um but i mean look ddt already has a cool offshoot they got dna yeah right which is right. a cool offshoot promotion already so i don't know what the fuck abushi's doing he seems like a weird guy but the, 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 look we're spending way too much time on that aspect of it the, the thing here is what people need to realize it's like oh my god he quit ddt in new japan this is a He's jumping to WWE. No. He, he, he declared himself freelance. I don't know if he's ever going to work another New Japan match, but this doesn't mean he can't. They can book him whenever they want, and, and he could, if he chooses to accept the bookings. Um, it w- you know, if he's healthy, I wouldn't shock me at all to see him at Invasion Attack. I would, if he's healthy and he's willing to work for New Japan in some capacity, I would expect to see him on all the big shows moving forward until he chooses not to work them. If I'm New Japan, I offer him a spot on every single big show moving forward. I offer him a G1 spot. I, why not? I mean, there's no reason not to. Now, are they ever going to push him hard? No. Now, I want to go back to something that we talked about at the end of the year because we spent a lot of time talking about Ibushi. Yeah. You know, if you remember, my kind of speculation was maybe the fact that they they completely you know, push the brakes to the floor on his push was because they might have seen this coming. You know, it, it, it's like... Or if, if not even this in particular, that maybe they sensed that he wasn't all in, that he was sort of distant, like... And you can get that from a guy. I mean, if, if you got the rest of their locker room is all pumped up and ready to go and you got this guy who's like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it might not have been specifically that I'm going to go freelance and I'm quitting and starting my own promotion, but maybe that he wasn't all in, that, like, they just didn't get that same sort of... 
you, you know, or the, the the same attitude and, and you know, the same 110% stuff that they want out of a guy that they're going to give a giant push to and make one of the featured parts of their company. If this guy is sort of like, eh, I don't know, yeah, maybe I'll take time off or I'll do, you know what I mean? Like that, it, it, there's, they were, there's something to be said for they that. They were main in him to get Gates out of him, but he was losing. And the whole thing is, you know, contract time was coming and maybe they just wanted to see, hey, look, resign. And then we'll push you again. You know what I mean? Because you can't – maybe they didn't want to invest in a guy in the back end of the year who they weren't entirely positive was going to be there the next year. So if he does work New Japan shows as a freelancer, if he is a true freelancer, um, you could forget about a big push. You could forget that because that's just not going to happen. Uh, we've seen how stubborn and how they've dragged their feet with Shibata. You know, and he's a guy who is a quote-unquote freelancer. He doesn't work for anybody else. He works every single New Japan show. And they still won't go all the way with that guy just because he, he's technically every- – now, if you have a guy who's a freelancer who's bouncing around a bunch of different promotions, they're definitely not pushing Ibushi. You know, I'm not saying they won't give him good spots on cards because he is a draw, but you could forget about a push at that point. But, yeah, this doesn't mean he, he, that he will not work for – I mean he's already booked for a big DDT show. So that shows you right there that he's willing to work for them. We'll see if he works New Japan shows. It doesn't mean that he can't. It doesn't mean that he's running off to you know jump to NXT – uh, or to work there to work the cruiserweight show. We don't know anything. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But freelancer means just that he can work wherever he wants and do what he wants. Uh, anything else on Coda, or you want to move on to other uh, Japan matters? Uh, I got nothing left to add. Yeah, that's. I mean, we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, it's hard to say what's gonna happen, what New Japan's gonna do. We'll we'll see. I mean, Invasion Attack will be an important show if he is absent there and and doesn't show up, and maybe in the New Japan. You, you know, we know he's not in the New Japan Cup. Um, and then like, yeah, G1 will be the next time where we can really see. And if it, it's a guy who, you know, if he's not in those or if he's in it, but he's on the undercard doing, you know, tag matches, then we kind of know what, you know, what's going to happen. Let here, me but... tell you what I would do. Presuming he's healthy and he can work yeah. the show. It looks like Okada will have a relative, unless they do Naito now, which since it's sumo hall, they very well could. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they do the Naito Okada match right now, but it doesn't feel like they're going to do it now. Which means if they don't do that, it's going to be a relatively weak opponent for Okada. Whether it's Yuji Nagata or whoever, I don't know. What I would do is if Ibushi is healthy enough to work, I would definitely book him on that show and I would do the Omega match right now. Get it out of the way, yeah. Because if, as soon as possible, do whatever you can with Do it guy. to make sure you get to do it, first of all, right. before this guy does get ends up in NXT or something. But for the other big reason is if you do Ibushi and Omega in Tokyo... That is as strong as of a complimentary match on on Invasion Attack as you can get, especially if Okada has a somewhat weak opponent. Because mm-hmm. in Tokyo, you know that match will draw. If you do it in Osaka or somewhere else, eh, maybe not. But we know Omega's a draw in Tokyo. We know that DDT is very popular in Tokyo. We know Ibushi's a draw everywhere, but especially Tokyo. That would kind of be like the semi-main event, but maybe the primary drawing match. I sure. think that would draw more fans than something like Okada Nagata would. So that's what I would do. I would do the Omega match right now. Get it out of the way. Abushi, you know, does the job, obviously. Um, you know, people will scream about, oh, but you want to build it. Look, I don't think you can fuck around. And I think they have built it. They've been building it for a year. And Omega's been talking about it. So why not just fucking do it now if you can? Right. And and one of the problems, too, and it's sort of, unfortunately, we, you know, you're especially one that we'll, we'll talk about this of like kind of the slow build of really kind of letting it, letting it stew for a little bit. Like, you're really, you know, ideally, yes, that's what you would do with Ibushi. But they've kind of. 
they've done a slow build with Ibushi, and now they're at a point where, you know, he's the guy might not be there. He might do whatever. God only knows what the next step is for him. Just you, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Strike while you got him. Like, you, you know, do the you have no idea. Right. Well, I mean, he's he, like you said, he's such a weird guy that you could see him just going, ah, you know what? I quit. Or, you know, like, I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm just going to yeah. do my promotion and just it, I'm going to uh, my matches are only with, you know, stuffed animals or whatever. <laughs> You're like, he's that weird. Like where I would just say, you know what? Let's just get this out of the way now. Let's make it. Let's get the one big money match out of him. If something if, you know, he sticks around later or, or whatever. OK, cool. But you just can't rely on saying, OK, you know, in another year, we'll do the big Omega Ibushi match. I just don't think you have that luxury with this guy. I think you you got to strike it. And he's injury prone as well. So if you got him healthy, do it. Do just the go match with, you know, right like, now. And, and, there's, and, it's like, a, and it's a big show that can use it. And it's the perfect city yeah. to do it in. So why not? And this idea right. and you got that, Omega who's hot as hell right now as well. And that so, would be yeah. another big win. That'd be another per, a huge win for Omega coming off the heels of the three big things they already did with him. You know, if he if he goes out there and beats Abushi, so I think you got to do that match now if you can do it for sure. And uh, this whole idea where then oh well then what if Abushi goes NXT? It's egg on their face again. But is it really? He just he, you know he would have lost all. He went four and six in the G1, lost to Togi Makabe, and and would have lost to Omega. So how much egg is it on their face? It's a guy that would leaves the company as a loser. Which yeah. is kind of how it's supposed to work. You know, you job on the way out. So I don't know if he, people are going to get on me. Whatever his record was in G1, it wasn't good. I don't know if it was. It wasn't. No. And it, well, that was when we first started talking about, it. hey, yeah. what the hell are they doing with Kotobushi? Like, I was upset. Remember, yes. I, I, we, you and I on the show were, were arguing about it because I was like, this guy won the New Japan Cup. He's like, you know, do something with this guy. Why is he that record? Who's he losing? But that it could have been. Again, they might have something must have triggered in their head. It, it, it's sort of I don't know if if, if a if it's, you know causal or correlative or, or whatever but it was so weird how just kind of a secondary guy he was in that g1 after having such a great start to the year yes that it makes sort of sense that maybe they looked the guy in the eyes and said you know <laughs> we we don't think he's he maybe he said something maybe somebody said something maybe somebody heard rumblings maybe but it just seems so weird that like the guy was on fire the first you know four, three four months of this year and then just nothing and then just death after that so i i don't know it makes sense i you know or maybe they were just wait and see to see if he resigned that that's yeah. what i was speculating at the time and then right. my whole thing was i'm gonna hold off i want to see what they do with him at dome that was gonna be the big key to me and then he got hurt and we never we're never gonna find yeah, out never know. uh we get the gato book of secrets you think we'll get the gato yeah book that's of true secrets or something? i don't know house of truth book whatever whatever one that he gave uh naito maybe we can get but we'll talk about those shows in a sec i wanted to real quick get to the uh, new japan cup uh, which I forgot to put on the, the run sheet. I completely forgot about the New Japan Cup, um, even though I've been uh, working on the New Japan Cup Pick'em Contest. So if you're interested in that, uh, go to the website. You can find details, voiceofwrestling.com. We're doing another contest, and you can win some good stuff from uh, IVP, IVPvideos.com. Uh, so uh, definitely want to get in on that. It's free to enter, and you just have some fun. You pick uh, who you think is going to win, who you think is going to win all the matches, and we tally them up, and then winners win prizes including a Pearl box, which is a ton of uh, uh, Pearl content from uh, IVP videos. You get like five DVDs, you know, a bunch of Blu-rays, a bunch of stuff. So it's it's good stuff. It's it's a really good prize that you can win. Uh, but what is your read on this? Um, I, do you want me to go over the brackets here real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's the first round matchups. Uh, everything starts March 3rd is when this by, uh, bad boy kicks off. Uh, you have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Bad Luck Fale. That's the main uh, event, by the way. Rich is going top to bottom. Yeah, I'm going top to bottom as, as the way the bracket is. Um, first off, th- real quick thoughts on that match. I, I'm not going to do that for every single match, but I think it's a mortal lock that Folly wins this. What do you think? I Okay, I was going to save this till after you gave the whole rundown. Actually, let go over all the matches, then I'll... Okay, all right, all right. We'll go back it, to I that I think one. it works better, yeah. 
All right, Tenzan and Elgin, they're in the same bracket, so they'll uh, they'll fight the winners poor, of poor each. Elgin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor Elgin. I mean, there's not much you get can that do. back. Get that back working out, Elgin. <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun one. Then you got uh, next uh, next little pocket here. You got Togi Makabe and Tamatonga. That should be pretty fun. Uh, and that the winner of that match will fight the winner of Yuji Nagata and Hiroki Goto. Also, move on to the next pocket here. You got Hanma versus Kojima. Hello, I know you are. I cannot wait for that fucking match. Yeah, that's that's going to be fucking great. That's that's going to be awesome. Uh they will fight the winner of oh boy, uh Toro Yano and Yujiro Takahashi. So yeah, and I and I cannot wait to not watch that match. Yeah, I, that might be a skip. Uh be early in the show, so it'll be very easy to skip. That is as, Unless... a, that is as bad a match as you can make in this company. It's really hard in this company to make a match that bad. Yeah, yeah. It, maybe if it was like Nakanishi versus Yujiro or something like that. Like that's about it. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Like a realistic New, J- New Japan Cup match though, with guys that they're going to realistically put in the field. I don't think you can make a match worse than that one. No, it, it, that'd be tough. No, it, it, it'd be it'd be very hard. Uh, and then the last little pocket here, nice little fun one here. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Evil, uh, and they uh, the winner of that will fight uh, the winner of Yoshihashi versus Naito. So that's that's interesting. We might get uh, I doubt we're going to get it, but Evil's been very well protected, so we might get an Evil Naito uh, uh, match here. But we'll watch, see. Watch out for that Yoshihashi Naito match. I know you don't like Yoshihashi. He will work hard. He will work hard. Uh, another takeaway is I think Goto loses in the first round to keep that going. Agreed. Yeah. To keep his I'm a loser storyline going. The sad Goto. Um. Kojima Hama has a chance to be the best match, but Tanahashi and Bad Luck Fale always have good matches with each other. I like them more than you do, but um, they're always well-reviewed across the board, and and especially since they're working in a main event slot, and it's not like third from the top on a G1 or something, I, I think especially it'll be good, because they're going to go out there with the purpose of having a great match. Um, and, and, and Fale, certain people bring out the best in him. You know, he has really good matches with Tanahashi and Okada. Okay, those guys are fucking great. You know what I mean? But it's like Folly's the kind of guy who'll have terrible matches with terrible people, but he can have great matches with great people. So I I, I think that match can be great. As far as who will win the Tanahashi Folly match, the reason I wanted you to wait to the end is because I I'm gonna it's like a broken record. People have been listening for years. I'm gonna say the same thing I say for, for New Japan Cup every year. Number one, I'm not really into the New Japan Cup. For whatever reason, I can't get into it. I don't know why. Like it's the least interesting part of the New Japan year for me, and I and I can't explain it on paper. Worse than the World Tag League? No, it's close, honestly. Oh. Because the World Tag League, I, look, I'm not in the World Tag League particularly either. No, New Japan Cup is the time of year I check out. Look, for some people it's Super Juniors, for some people it's 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 ta- it's World Tag Leagues at the end of the year and all that. For some people it's wet. For me, I kind of check out mentally during the New Japan Cup. And the other thing is I. I can never get a feel for the booking and I never know where they're going with it. And I, it's a little open. Yeah. You tend to get, and then they've added the wrinkle as well. If you, if you look, uh, and we knew that before that the, the the winner doesn't necessarily have to get the heavyweight championship. He can also go for the IC or never open weight title. So that, that always adds a wrinkle in there too. So, I mean, the, the logic tells me that Tanahashi would win and challenge Omega. Right. And it's like, because again, you're dealing with invasion attack. One of the big four, in, to, in Sumo Hall, that would be a very, very strong semi-main event, um, especially coming off the great match and the great angle um, that they had the month prior. But the thing is, um, 
you know, they love to throw curveballs in this tournament. So I really don't know. Now you're convinced he's going to lose. So you obviously have more interesting takes than I do. So why don't Yeah, my, my take is just that you look at a, and I agree, you know, to your point of needing a draw and needing something there for that invasion attack show, that makes all the sense in the world. The way I look at it is you can probably put Tanahashi in some different, I, I don't know what you put Tanahashi in, but I think there's a way to really help, you know, you can put him in a match that I think will, will help that, that gate to an extent without it being a title match or whatever. Or, you know, he can still challenge Omega here. Whoever wins this then challenges, you know, Okada is probably my theory. The way I look at it is, is we saw Tanahashi. We saw him on the Honor Rising shows and some other stuff. This is a guy that probably needs like a little bit of a break. <laughs> you know, like the shoulders fucked. You know, this is a guy who, who if you want to have him lose and lose in a situation that doesn't really affect him, and doesn't really, in a lot of ways, affect the other guy. Like, you know, it, you, you don't have to look into it too much. Like, if, if it, let's say Tamatonga beats Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's something that now everybody goes, oh, my God, what's going on with Tamatonga? Oh, my God, they're, they're building him up or whatever. If Fale beats him, it's just, you know, bad luck Fale beats, you know, really good guys a lot. You know, he'll beat Okada sometimes. He'll beat Tanahashi sometimes. He'll win big matches. That's why I think, A, it, it works twofold. It gives Tanahashi, you know, a month or so or half a month off at least to kind of chill, hang out, do whatever. But then you don't really lose anything. Nobody really gains. Nobody really loses. It's just bad luck folly getting an upset, getting a win here. And then you just kind of move on. It's not like you have to build anything after that. Folly just kind of goes and back and does whatever he does. Like, that's why I think it's the cleanest way, I think, to get Tanahashi out of this tournament. And then also at the same time, give him a break without really telling a story later down the line. This is usually the time of year where they give him a break. This year is a little different, though. They can't really afford to give him a break. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so from that perspective, I, I'm just going with the safe pick. He I, can he can still fight Omega too, and that's the thing that we have to sort of remember no, as well. That's is that a good it, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah that so, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, it could be. Uh, people have mentioned Yuji Nagata as like a, a hope spot winner or whatever, or Naito. I mean, that it, you look at the path of a few guys. You know, Naito has a very good path to get there. I mean, you look at the guy he's up against. You know, he's up against. You know. Uh, Presumably Hanma or Kojima. I, I I feel like Hanma would win that, but I don't know. Singles matches, eh, it could be Kojima. Either way, it doesn't matter. Naito, uh, those guys. Naito versus Okada, Tanahashi versus Omega is a pretty strong yeah. invasion attack top two. That's that's my guess is what we're going to do here. Because if you look at the brackets, I could see the Nagata. Uh, those are the two guys. I think Naito or Nagata, at least in my mind, seem like they have the best path. And, and the Nagata thing is kind of me working myself into a shoot. I and, think it's and think everyone be... working herself into a shoot yeah. because he gave that little speech. You got to remember, this is a guy who the only main, singles main event they've given him in ages was in a twenty five hundred seat Sendai Sun Plaza last year for New Beginning, okay, right. against Nakamura. So all of a sudden they're going to have faith in this guy to main event in Sumo Hall. I'm not so sure I buy that. Um, so I, I I really don't know about that. But um, so I think that was just look. We don't even know what that little speech after that tag match meant. Maybe it was just him going in the business for himself because he was fired up because he's tired of getting shit on in the booking. I don't know. Nobody knows. So yeah, I think people might be working themselves no shoot with that one. But again, you are listening right now to the worst new Japan cup predictor on the face of the, <laughs> I'm right. terrible at this. I'm never even I'm equally close awful. to getting it right. I'm just awful at it. So it's like, I always pick some big star to win and it never is, you know, it's like, Hiroki Goto, it feels like he's won about nine of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, going to win again this year. Yeah, hey, I'm not a loser. Oh, I'm a loser. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, and then he, you know, so, and I'm, I always go chalk. So, Elgin. 
Big Mike Elgin. You know what? I Challenger for that never title. I mean, that again, that could happen. Like that's the thing. Like that, it's not that wild that Elgin wins this thing and challenges for the never title for some fucking reason. You know what I mean? That like, guy's going to get pushed this year. He's yes. Yeah. He's his name is on paper now. Yep. The pen they'll, pen has been put to paper. He's they aligned him with Tanahashi. He's Tanahashi's boy now. He poor Yoshitatsu getting <laughs> when that guy comes back, he's got no spot. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so he's not even going to have a bullet club to kill. He's the bullet club. Hunter. <laughs> he's the bullet club. He's going to have no bullet club to hunt. God. He, he, oh, he's just God. totally muscled out. So, I mean, who knows? But, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 if you're putting a gun to my head, I'm going to go with Tanahashi. But who the fuck knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go Naito. Wouldn't you rather yeah, save? Shouldn't, you know, you would think that they would save the Naito title match for Osaka, right? Yeah, that's what that Chris Charlton, uh, who does the Japanese audio wrestling uh, on Fight Network, that was his big thing is like Naito in Osaka. And like if you have him win that title, even though, you know, that might seem wild to some people. But, man, if you have him win that title in Osaka, in that town against Okada, like that is a made man forever. You know what I mean? Like that guy would just the, the vitriol yes. that would come from that fucking guy in this persona, in this gimmick, in this character, in Osaka winning that title. Oh. I think it's too soon for the Naito Okada match. I think you let that one simmer and you do save it for a big show in Osaka, whether it's this year or even next year, who knows? Might be too long to wait till next year. But I, I feel like if they would do that match in Invasion Attack, it's kind of rushing it, and I would hope that Okada wins the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves. But um, yeah, we'll it, it's all it's it's, it's, it's new rules in this. You know, you don't know what this company is gonna do right now. Cause I think obviously a lot of it's always long-term planning and a lot of that went through the shredder. So a lot of it is just being, uh, I don't want to say on the fly, but on the fly as much as they do things on the fly. Sure. All right. Uh, on a rising, the, uh, ROH new Japan joint shows, uh, that happened over the weekend. I know you, we reviewed them for the website, voice You can find them on there. Um, what were your thoughts overall? And then maybe, I don't know, do you want to break down the cards like match by match or you just want to talk about highlights? Cause I mean, there was stuff that happened, but it's like, I don't know if we really need to get into like, I, there's no Kushida Kazarian. Like I, you know what I mean? We'll like, do the big matches I, and, and some of the larger themes because there were, if there was one show, we'd go match by match, but I, I'm not doing 16 matches of this. And there was, a, there was a fair amount of filler as well. And, and nobody wants to hear our, our like hot takes on, you, you know, Dalton castle versus Frankie Kazarian. Like nobody cares. Right. So nor should you, don't care if somebody tweets us. Oh, I care. No, you don't just stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, someone's going to say that. No, I like when you guys No, nobody cares. You don't care. I don't care. I don't care enough to talk about it. When we were doing five-hour podcasts, we'd break down every fucking match. But, right. But, uh, you know, but I mean, I mean um, look. Oh, great. Now I get the tweets of, oh, why can't you go out there? <laughs> Who's hosting you? Why can't you go longer? I, You know, four-hour four podcasts are very 2013. Yeah, we're past that. We, we set that standard. Now we're backing away from it. That's that. right. Um, always the trendsetters. <laughs> um, so in, in way more ways than one, oh yes, my gosh. incredible amounts of, holy ways. shit. Um, but yeah, so, um, look, the overall theme, I thought these were easy watches. I thought they were good, not great shows, but I thought they were enjoyable from top to bottom. And I liked the second night a little bit better than the first night. Um, and, and here's the thing. We thought they were so super predictable. We got a lot of shit wrong. We were horribly wrong. Yeah. Again, like when we say don't listen to anything we say, this is a good example. Last week, our predictions are like, ah, everything is obvious. Who cares? Like we were very wrong on a lot of them. I mean, we're really good at big picture stuff. 
I'll pat ourselves on the back for that. But when it comes to predicting some of these matches, we're just <laughs> we're terrible. Fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So look, the big picture stuff. I, I'm shocked that Ishii beat Roderick Strong for the ROH yeah, that was, television that was title. Tough. And I think that the, the they kind of they, they swerved this man because they booked him against Goto for the anniversary show, which is why I didn't think he had any chance to win. But now they've rebooked all that. So they're going to do a three-way. It's going to be Ishii Strong and Bobby Fish, of all people. I don't know why they're not just doing Ishii and Strong. <laughs> got a got a shoehorn fish in there. I, well, that, I mean, look, that I'm the sense. world's biggest Bobby Fish fan. Oh, so you don't care, yeah? But but, but explain to me how that makes sense. I have no idea. But it, it, what right. it, what it does make sense though, um, of when because people were outraged. I mean, do you remember? I don't know if you were following on Twitter when they announced Ishii and Goto, and everybody was like, "Oh, come on! Yes. Like you got these two guys, and that's the match you give." And now you know everybody kind of looks silly now because it was a swerve. They're like, "No, no, no, no! It was just a it was a red herring." So. Yeah, and actually, I didn't mind that they were doing that match. Those guys have great matches. Um, but yeah, so they'll do a three-way for the title. Presumably, Ishii loses it right back. Ishii going full blast on the fucking in the in the post-match. <laughs> Barry, let me see if I can find that quote. Absolutely, do you have that quote? I don't have it in front of me. Let me see. Uh, let me try to get that easily. quote. Easily, yeah. uh, Iki Oidi or whatever his name is. I can't pronounce that one either. Um, tremendous translator on the Twitter machine. Uh, translated those promos, but the gist of it was Ishii basically said that Roderick Strong was just a fucking a non. It was was easy to beat and a nothing champion, and he doesn't he he doesn't know what the ROH title means. But look, I can't do it justice. You're better off just reading it directly. Um, Still trying straight to off find the it. Interview. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. But. So I mean, so the the idea of uh, now now they'll do a three way at the anniversary show. You would think that Ishii would lose it right back to Strong, or maybe Fish wins it because you know why else would uh, is Fish in that particular match? So they've rebooked some things there. Also, they officially announced now. This is one where we were you know we I feel really stupid for this one, Rich. We really sort of saw this one coming. We we did correctly. Uh, they they Omega and the Bucks won the never open weight trios titles. And we really should have saw that because they had a, they, they're booked in a trios match on the ROH anniversary show against Matt Seidel, ACH and Kushida. And we're absolute dopes for not being, for not reading that one probably because we, a blind man can see now that they were going to defend those titles on the <laughs> ROH show. Cause why else are you doing a trios match? Rather? I mean, we should have put that one together, but we didn't bad job out of us. They also made that officially and a, a, a never open weight trios title match on the anniversary show. Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, a tremendous trios team, by the way. They've oh, they're so good. Done yeah. a great job. They'll defend against HCH Kushida and uh, and Matt Seidel, which they could win. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're, I think there's going to be a title change there. I mean, I don't think that they're coming back in May. I mean, I don't think, yeah, because then, yeah, you got to send ACH over to Japan or something to do it. They're going to need those titles uh, for something. So, so I mean, who knows? But, but I mean, you know, look, and look, it's, it's actually a, a, another big key that we missed. And this was us being stupid again. Putting a second title on Omega does nothing but help him too. I mean, it makes yeah. you know now he's collecting belts. He's funky. He's, he's got his two flunkies with the young. But I mean, everything they're doing with this guy is picture perfect. You cannot push a man better than they're pushing this man. If it doesn't catch on, it, it's whatever, man. Because they, they, you cannot do a better job giving a guy a push than they're doing with this guy, and he's embracing it, and he's into it, and he's doing a great job. He's a the front runner for wrestler of the year after uh, uh, fifty eight days of the month or whatever. I mean, this guy is just is tremendous. And this was just this is great booking, putting these titles on him. They've done everything right with this guy. 
All right, so I, ha- I have the Ishii Strong. Uh, Good, because I'm out of things is... to talk about. Yes, all right. So here is uh, Ishii, translated. Ikiyoti, I think is it's it's E underscore K-E-Y underscore O-I-D-E. So you can, an absolute must follow if you're a Pro fan, because it does great translations. Nice, nice. Um, so this is Ishii. Uh, congratulations on becoming the new champion. You took everything Strong had to give and won. Here's Ishii's response. Whenever I face guys from other companies in a New Japan ring, I believe in taking everything they can throw at you. It's no big deal. Strong was blown up midway through the match. He was nothing. <laughs> he was blown up midway through the match. He was nothing. Now, look, I'm sure in the context he was saying blown up, he didn't mean it in the, um, you know, the, 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 the kayfabe sense of he wasn't in shape. I think yeah. Well, the story of the match was that Strong kind of went all out, and then like you saw him, he even went to the guardrail and was just like, ah, because uh, uh, that that was the match. I mean, that was the point. Right. But, so, yeah. but it sounds funny in an American no, in a Western yeah. context. It sounds like he's burying him six feet under, when really yeah. he was probably just talking about within the worked confines of the match that he was in better shape than straw and, and outworked him and all of those sorts of things, but it's still a great fucking quote. It's so good. Yeah. And then they get better. Uh, you'll be coming to America as a champion. Now your thoughts. I'm not, I'm not just going to fight strong. I'll fight anyone in ROH. I'll take on anyone. If their TV champ is that weak, I'll crush them all. Take the entire company down. New Japan main eventers aren't soft. <laughs> Give this guy promo of the year. I mean, this is fucking <laughs> great stuff. He just called the whole company weak. It's soft. Uh, uh, you're, you're sure to gain more attention in the United States as a champion. I don't know what this kind of title. <laughs> the Here's the quote. Yeah, it is the best. <laughs> I don't know what kind of title this is, but I have it now. So I'm the face of ROH. <laughs> Everything's going to revolve around <laughs> me. The higher ups in ROH better be listening. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? That's great stuff. He's like, look, I don't know what the fuck this thing is. Now, what is this stupid ass? But title now that is? I have it, it's the most important thing, and I am the face of ROH. What a He's fuck the face of ROH. Up. Yeah. All right, sorry, this is my favorite quote. Uh, that was a fierce match you had. A fierce match? I didn't do anything special. Didn't do any great moves. I took Strong down with just some strikes. Next time, I'm going to beat him so hard, he won't be able to stand on his own two feet. <laughs> and then you were the first Japanese ROH TV champion. Your thoughts on this accomplishment? I don't know what value this title has, but I'll make sure it stays around my waist. Who's next? Man, was this boring. What a, what a man. What a great man. Presumably, and 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 uh, the editor puts here, I think this is Cody, uh, says, uh, presumably boringly easy is what he meant to say, but uh, right, still. Right. <laughs> the comment like, is the same. So, Like the whole match was just nothing to him. Like, yeah, I, like it was just an absolute, yeah. I mean, what a you gotta stand up and applaud fucking that man, promo yeah. that was. That is, what a man that is. What a great <laughs> man this Ishii is. I, like, I love him even more now. I mean... He's been the best wrestler in the world uh, probably for the last three years. And, and it's like, what, what a fucking promo. What a man. A tremendous promo. And if anyone wants to argue that Chaos are not heels, I mean, just listen to that promo. <laughs> right, there you go. I mean, I mean they, they, they're very clearly, uh, you know, heel-leaning tweeners uh, at minimum. I mean, what a promo. It just make, goes to show. You never really know. You know who they say is also a killer promo, but we would never know, is Masaki Mochizuki. And you wouldn't think so, right? You'd think that that guy of all guys would probably be a guy who didn't give him, who wouldn't give grumpy him. as shit, just like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, I go hundred ten percent, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, they, I always get that. Who wouldn't even from care him, yeah. about promos? Like a kind of guy who's right. like, look, I, I do my talking in the ring, like one of those guys. But supposedly he's just a tremendous promo. And in the early days of the millennials, and uh, maybe some of the Dragon Gate listeners, if I misinterpreted all this, T Hawk was said to be so bad on the mic. When the millennials would be cutting their promos, 
they would send Mochizuki out as a shoot if the promo sucked to go out there and browbeat him and take the mic and then cut a promo on him, like, and telling him that his promos are shit. So that's how good Mochizuki is. They'd send him out there to fucking bury other guys who were shitty on the mic. So it's, it's like the point here is you never know who the great talkers are and, and who the great talkers aren't. So obviously Ishii is one hell of a promo. Yeah, better than we thought. So, uh, and then uh, move on to, I think that's about all I have really from the 19th. I don't know. And then the, the lethal Naito stuff was pretty fun as well, seeing the sort of interactions between those two. So that was, that was cool. And it uh, played a little bit more into the next night. I uh, think got the, the 20th. first night, well, the first night, oh, I ahead. think yeah. that um, a, a big key was uh, Omega and the Bucks beating Fish, Shibata, and O'Reilly. That was a hell of a match. That was a good trios match. You had the Briscoes beating the Bullet Club in a very by the numbers one team putting over the other match, and uh, and and which, which we thought it would be. And like you said, the the semi main event, which was Lethal and Naito teaming together, forging their alliance, which kind of set up what happened on the next night by beating Okada and Yoshihashi. Obviously, Yoshihashi took the fall there. So yeah. Uh, and then the twentieth. I'll move on uh, to that. Uh, big news out of this one, of course, the main event uh, with Jay Lethal defending his ROH World Championship against Hanma. Uh, he beats Hanma. Uh, and, uh, yeah. That's I'm the same way. The main event from night one blew away the main event. From yeah. Night two. Now, it the, really, sh- that that should have been a blowaway main event. It just it's and just it was longer. on its way to being one until the bullshit at the end. And it's like that's what bothered me the most. But I'll tell you what. Hanma, the way he sold that mist being blown in his face in the post match. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I mean geez. it was like a cartoon character. He just really like, was. Ah! like just like <laughs> it's like like his hair was on fire. He like ran like his hair was on fire. Like a cartoon man, <laughs> like it was like a Simpsons episode. Like Homer is like head is on fire and he just because he, he was just like his arms were in the air and he was just like circling around. It was just it was, he, he was it, it's like me when I when I pick someone up off a of Craigslist at three 30 in the morning. And she like, you know, falls asleep in the bed and I wake up the next morning. Like that's my reaction. Like that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> like, what is this thing doing in my bed? Like that's the, that's how Hanma reacted to that mist in his face. It's like, but, but that was on its way, man. And I know that the, a lot of people didn't like the Ishii strong match. I liked it a lot. I didn't, I thought it was great. I, I didn't think it was a, a match of the year or anything like that, but I thought it was a solid four star match right in that range. I enjoyed it. I thought there were uh, that one bump that Ishii took off the apron. Uh, it was just insane. Oh, that was sickening. Oh God, don't do that. But I, I you know, I like the visual of uh, Jeez, of yeah. Strong's chest bleeding during the match, and you know, being introduced. It was like it was like welcome to New Japan, motherfucker. You know, and I guess the promo emphasized that. So I, you know, the main event from night one was better. This match was on its way, but I really think they handled this so poorly. It's like they made Hanma look, look, and I know it's Hanma, and that's his deal, and you really can't hurt Hanma at this point. And they they, they have elevated him and all that. But it's like you really made him look like a dope by first doing the, the ref bump and then the bullshit finish. Why would he agree to a handshake after that? These men just screwed him out of a world title. He wouldn't you, – you can beat – here's my point, Rich. You can beat Hanma clean. It's Hanma. His his entire rise was built on losing. So you you could have Lethal beat him clean as a whistle, then do the handshake offer, because then it's plausible that Hanma would accept the handshake. Because then it's like, all right, these guys, they didn't cheat me. All right, maybe they want to be my pal. <laughs> they cheated him, and then he said, thank you. They Good cheated job. him. And then, nice job. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, where, that's where that whole thing lost me, and it came off silly. Yeah. If it would have been a clean finish, the post-match angle I could have tolerated. 
in the post-match, Hanma should have been upset and he should have wanted to kick somebody's ass. Or Makabe should have shown up in his fucking button-down shirt, buttoned down to his belly button because he never buttons him up all the way, and, and his fucking slacks. And he should have been behind his boy and they should have been ready to beat people up. But no, he actually offered the handshake. He accepted the handshake. I mean, we're a dope. Thank God he sold it the way he did because it saved the segment. But yeah, so that, that kind of lost me. Um, you know, it, w- it was on its way to being an excellent match, but just didn't get there. But the rest of the show, I thought, was better than night one, starting with the opener because Jay White and David Finley are incapable of having a match less than three, yeah, oh, three and a quarter yeah. stars. Just can't do it. Yeah, they, even if they tried, they they just yeah, they're 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 awesome. They're just so good. Yeah, it's it's. Um, otherwise, the goofiness of the delirious and Gato team, Gato's facial expressions and mannerisms. <laughs> reacting to delirious is just tremendous. You know, you might not have to sit through the delirious versus Gato match. You might not have to sit through that tag match on the second night, but at least sit through the pre-match stuff and watch Gato react to this guy. Yeah. And then Dalton Castle and Frankie Kazarian actually had a pretty fun match for a match that nobody wanted to see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was solid. I liked Kushida Moose versus Abushi uh, and Naito too, just because the the Kushida Moose team is is you know how we said that that would be the greatest the the greatest buddy cop show of all time. Like to have <laughs> the, the entrance where Moose is carrying Kushida on his shoulders yeah. and they're both doing the Moose thing is like that's it. Like they, and they're like they don't drive a car. They just like that's how they get around. Yes, you know what I mean. Like that's how they come from town to town or like <laughs> yes. investigate crimes or whatever. Is like <laughs> Kushida just like hops on a Moose's <laughs> shoulders and they run to the next town or whatever the other side of the city like that's a show that just has to they're happen. just like, doing moose that they're doing that in front of a chalk drawing of a dead man like yeah exactly yes, yeah they're doing the moose sign, yeah up on his shoulders <laughs> absolutely yeah and people and the were Japanese upset fans they just were loving moose so much too they, like and, fucking they love moose and all the roh guys i was shocked i was shocked at how over the roh guys yeah. were whether it was we don't uh, give, i don't think we give enough credit to the japanese fans for being how because one thing fans, i thought that corican fans or the corican fans in general because i think one of the things that i i thought was awesome about this show is okay so we, we contrast that to like fantastica mania where they're very much into that sort of style of how you chant and how you cheer and lucha or whatever then these roh guys come here and they're doing like traditional american style chants you know what i mean like they're not doing like basic stuff like they're trying to chant these guys names they're trying to do chants that would be similar to what you would get in north america like they were just short of doing a this is awesome chant. you know what i mean like like that's like so that's cool that they sort of adapt to whatever's coming here. Okay, you guys are here, so we're gonna do Ring of Honor style chanting and 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 that sort of stuff. I thought that was really cool. And you know, of course, the Moose thing it was super over. And everybody, every one of those Ring of Honor guys that came in there was at least to an extent over. So uh, they did a good job. I don't know if it was these fans just being hardcore enough to know these guys, or if they did a good job of uh, sort of marketing these guys ahead of time. But I think it's the hardcore cork and base. At on night one, they did the "Let's Go Lethal Okada." That's what I mean. Yeah, like that is you would never hear that. Like that doesn't happen. But that, yeah, they were trying. Like yeah, that it was crazy. To my fucking heart when they did. It's like holy shit. That is an ROH fucking chant all the way. And they couldn't really say lethal, which was also like, and that's not, I mean, of course the L's, you know, that that's, that's how it is. But the fact that that was again, like they were like, all right, no, this is how it, this is how North Americans chant. So let's do it. And it was like, I, I was, I was listening to my headphones and all of a sudden I'm like, what are they, are they honestly doing like this sort of chat? And it was great. Let's go lethal. Okada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So was- yeah, yeah. Which is fucking awesome. You know, they, they treat it like an ROH show, you know, yeah. there wasn't a lot of, they, they, I wish there was some barricades slapping, but you know, there were no barricades to slap. But uh, that would have just topped everything off. But yeah, they were, you know, all the ROH chants. Yeah, they really get in with the same way. Like Fantastic Mania, they cheer like a lucha crowd. The air horns. The Vavuzelas are going nuts. And yeah. Look at you with the official name. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Is that the? Uh, How could you forget after that World Cup? Remember that one freaking year where oh, then yeah. everybody started like buying them, and then you would go to like sports events, and everybody had fucking. Like, I was still covering high school football at that time, and um, they had to they like there were signs on every single high school like high school gym and a high school like football field of like no vavuzla is allowed like because it was just out of control like like 200 kids would buy these things and it was just off the rails and like i didn't mind i thought it was but that noise just kind of grates on you for a while especially if you're not a uh yeah a football fan like you and i are uh nuts so uh red dragon who has new tights and new new japan merch so they're in for the long haul they got a new t-shirt i don't know if you saw that um, and it's a New Japan T-shirt. It wasn't a Ring of Honor T-shirt. It's based on the Mortal Kombat logo. Uh, so yeah, they, I, they've had that one for a while. Oh, have they? I thought it was. They just started selling it a little bit more. It seems like they just kind of wore them for a while, but now I think they're selling. Well, that them. I, that, I that blows up my narrative. But anyway, sorry, Red, but they have had that. Sh- they've had those shirts for a while. So sorry. Red but. Dragon, Goto, and Shibata, the greatest Atomicos teams of all time. They beat the Bullet Club, and that was the Carl uh, Anderson Doc Gallows goodbye. They uh, bowed to the crowd, and and actually Fale and Tonga bowed to them. And then they said their goodbyes, and Carl Anderson actually with that great shot. You always put over the New Japan production, but they got it. They got a shot at Carl Anderson at the tail end there as he was exiting Corican Hall, where he turned around one last time and was just taking it all in from from yeah. the exit, not even from the ring, from the exit. Me, you know, you had Gallows waving the pin. No one cared about Gallows. Yeah, go away, <laughs> get out of here. But then they. they Cut to Anderson, and he's just – you see the look in his eye. You know, he's just taking it all in for the last time because he knows it's going to be a very long time, if ever, that he's back in that building for New Japan. So, um, you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of happy they didn't do the the by-the-numbers turn on those two guys. And they went out uh, as Bullet Club members, and, and, you know, they were bowed to by – by the guys who were going to step up and replace them, uh, you know, in the top of the club. And I thought it was classy and I thought it was a good moment. Absolutely. Um, anything else that struck you from um, night two? I don't know if I am looking through the card now. I don't no, think there was no, anything just, else. Just the title change, which I already touched on. Yeah. And uh, I think like you were saying, don't watch these shows. I mean, and that's halfway through. I was like, cause I was like objectively watching it and like writing notes and doing, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to turn my head, you know, and just their matches and their shows that if you're not reviewing it, if you're not doing it for a site or something like that, or if you're not really just kind of watch them and kind of get lost in them. And, and that's it. I think that's really all I gathered from these shows. Like there wasn't anything groundbreaking. There was, you know, one title or you know, the title change on one night one and then title change on night two. But by and large, most of the other stuff was just there to kind of be fun and just kind of be a showcase. So, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a show. There are two shows that I don't think you can just kind of be like uh, uh, watching them intently or watching them intensely and wondering about the future of New Japan booking. You know, it, it's not that type of show. No, they were showcases for the Ring of Honor guys. And right. now we found out a lot of it was going to film for TV. So that's why some of the matches were as short as they were. And I don't really know how anyone could come away from these shows saying that they were bad shows. I mean, no, they were fun. They were, yeah. they were fun little shows. I mean, geez. I mean, again, maybe you need to take a breather from wrestling. You know, it's like there was nothing bad about these shows. They were just fun little shows. You'll forget that they ever happened other than the title. Look, they did just enough title changes and angles to keep things interesting on both nights. And it's like you're never going to remember, you know, uh, you know, the, the random six man, you know, semi main event on whatever night. But in, in the moment, they were just fun little shows. They were easy watches and I enjoyed them. And I'll tell you, New Japan New Japan World this year, there's been like nine shows and eight of them were good. And the only one that was like a bland, boring show was that Cork and Hall show, where, which was Nakamura's send-off, which obviously had, you know, reasons, uh, watchability reasons for reasons other than the match quality. So New Japan World has uh, – the shows on New Japan World, they've done a nice job this year. I mean, they've all been good shows. 
Yeah, oh, they've been really good. Yeah, you're definitely getting your value uh, for that. And, uh, of course, speaking of other shows, uh, Lionsgate. New Japan Lionsgate is going to happen on Thursday morning. Uh, you did a preview for the website, voicewrestling.com, of course. A really, really good preview, kind of breaking down a lot of the guys who you're going to see. Uh, to New Japan's credit, which was something I really enjoyed, they uh, they put match graphics up there, too. So if you, you're not really sure who these guys are, you can't really put names to faces. Now you can put names to faces, which is good. It's always a, a benefit to do that, especially when we're talking about a lot of young guys. But um, maybe without breaking down every single match of that card, what can you tell people to sort of expect? If you want to break down every match, go to voicewrestling.com, read your preview. But what can we expect from this Lionsgate show, um, which we talked about months ago, is essentially there's a few different things at hand here. It's it's a showcase for the young Lions. Uh, it's also kind of a showcase for some of the new, uh, you know, the processing Noah talent. But then, you know, down the line, they've said they want to bring in talent from other companies as well. So it's sort of it, it, it has a few different goals or intentions here. But at least it, what, what are you gathering from Lionsgate? Man, I wrote that wonderful preview and then they changed the card today. So, yeah, well, you know, breaking news. But yeah, one of the <laughs> one of the young Lions pulled out with the flu. So oh. they did rearrange some things. They eliminated one of the tag matches and added Taguchi to the show. And uh, they're doing two singles matches instead. So, Normally I would groan, but Taguchi's been pretty solid lately. Taguchi so, has yeah. been pretty solid. He should have a fun match. The match that they took out was, actually I was looking forward to it. It was the uh, Harai Kawato and uh, Teruaki Kanemitsu. Those are the two new New Japan Young Lions that you may have seen on January 3rd on the show before Tokyo Dome. And they were going to face Hitoshi Kamano and uh, Keito Kiyomiya from NOAA. But Kanemitsu's out. So the new matches are Kawato, who is the 18-year-old, I believe. Yeah. Kawato is going to be facing Hitoshi Kamano. And Kiyomiya is being moved out of that match, and he will face Ryusuke Taguchi in a singles match. So... They've readjusted things. There's nine matches on the show now instead of eight. Look, I think this is going to be a lot of fun because it's a chance to see some of these young guys work. More importantly, it's a chance to see Mitsuhiro Kitamiya, who me and Rich have been screaming about for Noah to push. He's going to be in a main event here against Yuji Nagata. And this, you know, is going to be maybe the highest profile. Look, I know he's been in Global League and all that, but realistically, this is the highest profile match of his career. He's in a main event against Yuji Nagata on a New Japan show. Look, I get it's in Shinjuku face. There's going to be 200 people there. It's, but, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on this, and this is a chance for Kitamiya to really shine. And I think uh, Nagata is going to work his ass off to help this kid have a really good match in the main event of this show. And Nagata's a guy who spends a lot of time in the dojo uh, working with – he's taking that Oka under his belt, uh, who we're not yeah. going to see here, um, but we're going to see very soon. And I think it's – it's it, Nagata's the kind of guy I, I, that I would think is, it, it's important to him to make sure that this young kid looks good. So that's a match to keep your eye on. Juice Robinson. This is a big spot for Juice Robinson against Nakajima. Yeah, finally gets to kind of spread his wings a little bit here in Japan. It's a semi-main event. It's going to get some time. He has a chance to have the best match of his career. I don't know if he will. I'm not all up on his indie shit before he got to WWE. Maybe someone can help me out with that. But without question, he has a chance to have the best match. Yeah, I, I saw it. It, it, it. it wasn't very good. I mean, if he, can, he, he, was, he did a lot of Chicago stuff. It. it yeah. Okay. Well, then this. You missed nothing. Then, you missed really nothing. Then my point stands. This has a chance to be the best match of his career and easily the best match of his New Japan run because he's going to have some time to go. And look, I only think he's had two or three singles matches, period, in Japan, which is crazy when you think about it. Cody Hall hasn't had any yet. Still, they don't trust him in a singles match. Juice has only had two or three. And they've all been recent. He didn't have any in 2015. 
So, you know, this is a, you know, in Nakajima, you know, that's a guy you go out there and have a really good match with. So, you know, the two top matches worth keeping your eyes on. David Finley versus Taiji Ishimori. Oh, how awesome is that going to be? I mean, Great hair, too. Did you see that match graphic? Like, those guys are the flowing locks of, like, <laughs> David Finley emo rocking, hair. It's rocking great, the yeah. Bama Bangs about 10 years after they went out of style. But, hey, man, you know, whatever works for them. <laughs> 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 Remember that show? It was that show on my, my buddy and I always used to laugh about that. That show on MTV. Did you ever watch that? It was like a, a it was a football show. Two about all it, Two days. That was it. And, like, every at literally every single kid had the exact same haircut. Rich, like it was impossible. I wanted, to, I wanted to take a pair of scissors to every one of those kids, <laughs> cut the fucking hair off of their foreheads. Every single you had no idea bangs. what character was what because they all had that exact the David Finley the exact haircut. It was it was incredible. Yeah, and of course, Bama Bangs because it was an Alabama the Alabama hair that that yeah. show was based in Alabama. All the University of Alabama players had that haircut during that time frame. He's got the Bama Bangs. So, uh, you know, between that and the open mouth pictures that he takes, he loves the open mouth <laughs> pictures. David Finley loves the open mouth smile. I feel bad. He's been nice to us. But, but he, you know, we're having some fun here. He's got the Bamba Bangs and the open mouth pictures. Oh, he knows the hair is fun. Him, him and I, I tweeted that earlier about how the, him and Ishimori have the, like, the greatest hair matchup of all time. And uh, I, both him and White, uh, Jay White, like the. Oh, did like they? The tweet, okay. So, so there you yes. go. So they, they know. I mean, come on. They, I mean, the guy knows. They're in, they're, I mean, he in on, they're in on the fun. Yes. Yeah, I think he's not like serious. Uh, you know, maybe he is. Maybe, maybe it works for him. Hey, do whatever works for you, man. Uh, you know, hey, sure. So, uh, and Taiji Ishimori having a great year. Underrated wrestler overall. Again, read the preview I wrote. You'll get all of this in excruciating detail. Rich says I did a good job, so it must have been decent. So, uh, oh, you did. Everybody else thought you did a good job too. It doesn't matter. I never think you do a good job, but everybody. Uh, yeah. Oh well, that see, he never thinks I do a good job, and he liked this one, so it must be good. So, <laughs> see, so you know it's so good. There, there you go. And the, the, how about the Jay White Ogawa match? That is yeah, the- oh, that was a sleeper. No one was, I didn't even know that match was. I forgot that that match was even happening or what was good. I scrolled down, I scrolled down, I scrolled down, and went, holy fuck, Jay White versus Ogawa. That's awesome. Like, that's incredible. I really think Finley and Ishimori, if they were given time, could have a four star match. I really do. Because Finley's really fucking good. And, and, and it's like White and Ogawa. Here's the interesting thing about this one it's like Ogawa might be grumpy and decide just to eat him up. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think will be interesting to watch. I want to see how White reacts to something like that. You know, it's no lock, but you could easily see Ogawa saying, fuck this kid. Fuck this show. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. What am I doing? Uh, well, you know, why am I working the show? Fuck this kid. Fuck. I Japan. worked prime all Japan. I worked Kobashi, you asshole. I was the GH motherfucking C champion when it meant something. Yeah. OK, fuck the. I took the I took Bison Smith's Bicentennial and broke my fuck neck for this business and i'm working this punk in front of 200 people in shinjuku face i'm eating them up and 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 whoever's booking this thing i, I assume nagata's booking it maybe uh, maybe gato's but i think nagata's booking and maybe, i would assume yeah, and maybe he's saying fuck nagata and his six minutes that he gave me i am stretching this kid for 13 minutes and he's gonna like it that's what you could get here and i'd be all in on that which is fine yeah i'm down and then you're gonna have to sit through nakanishi versus quiet storm but you're going to get Finley and Ishimori and Jay White and Ogawa before that. And we should mention that Takumi Hanjo is debuting on this show. And he's got a big de- – he's debuting against Taniguchi. And we don't know if it's going to be Maybach or Shuhei. Shuhei – look, he hasn't been Maybach on the recent Noah tour. But he's wearing the Maybach mask in all of the promo pictures for the show. So I don't know if he's going to bring the Maybach back. Maybach, bring the Maybach back for this show or not. But I'm a little worried about that for Hanjo's sake. Terrible guy to debut against. 
I mean, that could end up being pretty bad, but uh, for for Hanjo anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, it looks real interesting on paper. I'm pumped it's up fun, for yeah. it. I can't watch it live. It's gonna be on. It's one of these that's on at like four thirty in the morning or something. So, but you know, I'll I'll rush home from work to watch this fucking show. So uh, for sure, and we'll have we'll have reviews uh, on the website as well. Maybe not immediately after the show. Because I think you're doing. The I'm review doing track. it, so it'll be done so, Thursday well, night whatever. or some shit. I don't know. But you, you, you wait because you get the land's experience. You know that's worth waiting a few hours. Experience. Right? That's right. That's absolutely right. So you know, and who else is going to review this fucking thing? You know. Yeah, not, yeah. No site that matters. So it's like, you're, <laughs> you're, so you might as well wait because you're not going to get any other review. Who? Ah, oh, Larry Zonkel to have a review up there. That'll probably be pretty good. Larry, yeah. Larry Zonkel is gonna, doesn't sleep. He's going to review the fuck out of this show, and he's going <laughs> to, and he's going to, because the guy watches everything, and he's got like 19, that's four one four one one. He's got like Larry nineteen Zonkel. kids. Okay, he's got a wife. Yeah, who has time for that? I have like two dogs and I don't have time to watch wrestling. He's like an expert. Like, he's always tweeting out the fucking food he's making. He sounds like he's a fucking chef over there. This we know he's got bad knees because he won Super Bowl nine with the fucking Dolphins. Okay, so <laughs> he, he's dealing with football injuries. He's dealing with, uh, you know, uh, memories of commentating American Gladiators. He's got 19 kids. He's a chef. Uh, and and he's and he and he's he, and approaching he, seventy, I think. I think he's almost he's, seventy years old, or he's been about I mean, old as hell. He's at this point, you know. He, he played with Mercury Morris, and he and he, and 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 he reviews every fucking pro wrestling show on the planet. You know, what I love when we talk about shit like this. Like, we have a lot of European listeners; they have no idea what we're talking about. They have, no, they have no. Listen, if you're from Europe, Google Larry Zonka, and it'll yes. it'll all become clear. Let me see but, if 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 wrestling Larry Zonka uh, ever comes up in a just generic Larry Zonka. Uh, Twitter search. That's Let's see here. First, yeah, first page. Okay, uh, that's football, 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 football. Uh oh, football. IMDb. Uh, football. Fo- uh, okay. Nope. Okay. No. 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 Four one one mania. Huh? Sorry. No. Not yet. He is a machine, though. That dude does. Yeah, he does. Use than anyone on the planet. Uh, he he is the third thing on the second page for me is his Twitter account. That's, so there you, you go. Know, I tell you what. That's not bad. No, that's not bad, considering Larry Zonka is like a legend, a <laughs> NFL legend. legend. An NFL Hall of Famer who did a lot of shit after football, too, with American Gladiators. And to come up on the second page is not yeah, bad. Yeah, like if, if your name was Barry Sanders, like, yeah. we're not coming up. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, that's, yeah. it's not happening. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Barry is dominating the first, like, 25 pages. I'll tell Google you what, I've surpassed pro golfer Joe Lanza. How about that? <laughs> I've also surpassed uh, 1920s gangster Joe Socks Lanza in the Google Ooh. searches as well. So, you know, I, I, I believe I've put Joe Lanza in there. See if I'm above. Yeah, you're, you're uh, Joe Lanza, author of Voices it, of I'm, I'm two. above the golfer, man. I've above- you got you got an actor that's ahead of you, though, now. Oh, shit. There's an actor now? Yeah, let's see. He was, uh, what is he in? Oh, he's in Gotham. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Well, that's why. Oh, and he's handsome too. That's your problem. I thought he was old, the actor. No, nah, he's kind of young. I thought he was like he's got like a mustache. He's, he's got like an ironic mustache. No, maybe he's dead. I don't know. I think there's a, no. a Joe Lanza actor who's dead. Who was? No, this guy's pretty young. Yeah. No, he's he's like yeah, he's in stuff right now. He was in uh, let's see, Gotham, you know, the TV series Gotham. That's why he's ahead of me now. Yeah, Nurse Jackie. He was in. Yeah, you're, he was in Nurse Jackie. House, uh, House of Cards. He was in a few episodes of House of Cards. There you I go. I gotta find this guy because I was a yeah. I was an avid Nurse Nurse Jackie watcher. I have to see who this dude was. Let's see here. Oh, I see him now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's him. You see, if you see images, you see he was cop in an episode. Oh so, yeah, uh, forget. You, you might have missed him, but he was yeah. cop. So he does have an awful mustache. He's got that, like uh, Joey Ryan detective Dan yeah. Barry mustache, which never <laughs> looks good on any human. I mean, you got to get rid of that. That's not good. 
Uh, those guys do it as a joke. I think this guy's serious. That's no. I think this Joe Lanza's got it. Yeah. Oh, there's Joseph. There's Joseph Soxlanza. Joe Soxlanza. Uh, he was a. Uh, I believe he was a racketeer. Uh, yeah. Yes. He he, he was a. He, he got busted for racketeering in New York in the 20s. I think. No. He, actually, I think it was more like the 40s or 50s when he was doing his. Uh, or, or, no, no, no. Maybe the 20s. Because it, there's an actor Joe Lanza too, who's dead. I don't know. Nobody cares. Okay, um, nobody yeah, cares. No one cares about the Joe Lanza <laughs> Google search. Um, Rich, now, Rich Krage has to be first because what the fuck? Man? There's no other Rich Krage in the world. Yeah, I think I'm the only one. Is left, your dad so. even Rich Krage? Uh, uh, he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually the third, but my grandpa's long past. I don't think he has any presence on the internet. No, I'm like yeah, author of Voices Wrestling, my Facebook page, uh, Amazon, my LinkedIn, uh, my About Me, my YouTube. Yeah, it, it's it's all me. There's no other Rich Krage. I think I found one in like Arizona, and he's probably dead now, so. I was just looking at my Bleacher Report profile. Boy, that's yeah. I saw, you're still my, I, my, I saw that my come up. My fiance Christina, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Might... All right, that's pretty old. <laughs> Hold on, I saw this the other day. That was my favorite part ever. One sec, I got to read this. I'm sorry, that didn't work out gotta, too well. I got to embarrass you because I, I jumped out. Hey, it's somehow still on I the internet. This. I'm not really embarrassed, but go ahead. yeah. Okay, here's Joe Lanza's uh, Bleacher Report, which your last article. Cornet out as ROH Booker. What went wrong? Hey, that's on Voices of Wrestling, too. <laughs> it was. It, it was one of the, the, the original. One of the first of things Voices we ever put up. Yeah, okay. Originally from Edison, New Jersey, Joe now resides in College Station, Texas, with his fiance Christina, and their two dogs, Madeline and Lexi. Madeline. Oh, Madeline. Uh, Madeline, okay. I just went to the vet today with Madeline, and they were all calling her Madeline, and it was annoying me. It's Madeline. Oh, I just... I also co-host the Voices of Wrestling slash Virtual Sports Network Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, that's old school. Larry, only Larry only knows, Larry knows that. Well, uh, uh, not just Larry. Also, uh, our, our, I am I am meddling. Oh, meddling. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He'll do it, too. Uh, visit the site to hear exclusive interviews with WWE stars like Booker T and promoters such as Gabe Sapolsky, top indie wrestlers, and more. That's a good profile, man. I put us over there. You got Neil Lanza. Putting you over pretty good too. Well, you know the family's and Jeff Gorman. Yeah, Jeff Gorman. Jeff Gorman. One of our, yeah, Jeff. One of our former guests and uh, Neil. Very Anza, nice right? man, Jeff Gorman. Yeah. Yeah. He was the he was my editor on Bleacher Report. Oh, was he? Oh, that, that's okay. how that that was the connection there with with, with Gorman. He would. There you go. He would handle my stuff himself. Like he he would specifically handle Joe Lanza's works on the Bleacher Report. That's good. You were a uh, you were a featured columnist, as was I at one point in uh, a yes. past life. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls feature columnist. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a little quick uh, bounce around Japan here. We don't have a ton of time. Uh, there are <laughs> extenuating circumstances that uh, are not allowing me to Rich have a ton not, of time I don't know here. why he's not telling you. This is what we do here. His power's out, and his battery on his laptop is about to die, and he's been panicking yes. to me on the little private chat here that we need to wrap <laughs> this baby up. So what's weird is there's a brownout going on on this house. So, like, this part of the house, the power's out, but the part where the internet is is fine, but, like, my laptop battery is in pending doom at this point. So, so um, Rick, yeah. did you see Okabayashi vs. Hama from Big Japan Rats? I have not, but it's on the list. I'm going to do it tomorrow. So that makes for horrible radio, but it's true. I think the best Hama match I've ever seen. How's that for putting it over? What are contenders? What are contenders for your best Hama? I don't. Are there plenty, or like are you are you saying that ironically, or you know do you, you best, like the man's work? It's yeah. Easily the best singles match he's ever had. There's no question about that. I don't think anything even comes close. So uh, look, Hama, I like him for what he is, but I worry about his health. I think he's not long for this world because he's a very robust human being. 
And I think he eats a lot. It's not like he's like, oh, why? I don't know why I'm fat. I eat well. Like, have you ever seen his like Twitter account? He's man just consumes food I don't like even a know mad what man. shape yeah. he is at this point. He's a pretty yeah. odd shaped man. But Okobayashi, uh, uh, of course, retained the title and he beat Hama. But here's the thing: I thought it was a four star match, and I thought Hama was the better wrestler in the match too. Which, look, Okobayashi's great and he's a world-class wrestler it was a hama match i thought he carried the match and he was the better performer in the match that is why i think you should go out of your way to make sure wow jeez okay all right yeah that'll be first thing tomorrow i, I have it i have it planned and, and tagged there's two matches i think you're going to talk about the other one and here in a little bit as well. better go out of your way and everybody listening better go out of their way to watch the ddt kond title match between champion asami kodaka he defended against takanashi Match of the year contender. I know everyone calls everything a match of the year contender these days. This is a, you know, every fucking grimy Southern indie match is a match of the year contender. <laughs> this is a legitimate match of the, this, this will, this is a contender. If, if people go out, if people see, the only thing stopping this from getting match of the year votes will be people not seeing it because it was a DDT match and it was kind of a throwaway there's no stars in the match you know what I mean it's not a Kota Ibushi match it's not a Hiroshima match it's not even a Kudo match it's not a Sama Kodaka versus Takanashi match which is a four and three quarter star match you you need to watch you have to well, first to be fair you can blame Michelle because we were we were at the gym and, and a lot of times when I'm on the cardio machines what I'll do is I'll put on like I'll, I'll just watch wrestling because it's a nice easy time I'm sitting there I'm doing nothing or whatever so I had this thing ready to go I'm watching the promo video because you always a DDT is staple is those those fucking intro videos they do are incredible they do such a good job with those that i'm not skipping that just to get to the match so and that thing goes on forever like you got you, you know talking actually reading a, a a note or a letter or whatever the hell so i'm sitting there i'm, I'm watching it i gotta watch the entire thing and you know we're playing i said how long do you want to do you know how long do you want to run for or whatever oh you know 20 minutes uh, half an hour half an hour 40 minutes okay cool 10 minutes in she goes i'm done i don't want to do this anymore let's go do something else now and i was like I, no <laughs> like now i want to do cardio like Stop. So that that's her fault. So and DDT does great intro videos that catch you up with the storylines. They do. Yes, even if you don't know the language, that. even if you don't know the language, you can. I I promise you, you can get the idea of what this match, the, some of the background, and there's there's even more intrigue. I know uh, Alan Forel. Of course, if you don't follow him, what the hell are you doing on on Twitter? But. Uh, he uh, tweeted out, I think a few days ago, a little bit more of the background of this particular match. If you don't, if you didn't quite get it from that video, there is some other stuff in there uh, as well to really dig into. Which made the match even better after I read Alan's thoughts because, look, I'm not, look, I don't follow DDT on a day to day basis. I knew what was going on here, but a lot of the stuff went over my head, you know, which it would. I don't follow this company super close like I do some other companies. So, my advice to you, since you know Kodaka won, right? Read that first because it, you'll enjoy the match even more. Spoiler alert: I did not know, but no, I, I assumed that. Well, I mean, you read you read Alan's tweet, so I figured you had. Yeah, to exactly. So I, you know, I wouldn't have done that to you if I, you know. But but uh, but yeah. Also, the match was fucking like two weeks ago, so you know, people can fucking get over it. But uh, no, exactly. but uh, but yeah, I mean, read Alan's tweets again because you'll even enjoy it more with all of that extra fucking layers that I wasn't even privy to when I watched the match. So, and, and plus the match itself, even without knowing any of the backstory, the work is so good that you're, 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 you, that'll instantly draw you in. And the, the storytelling and the psychology is so good that it'll draw you in. This is not hyperbole, Rich. This is a match of your contender. And I'd be shocked if you thought otherwise, you're really going to love this match. And okay, it, I can't wait. It, it, it's well worth watching. And Kodaka 
has got to be one of the clubhouse leaders for for very, very early wrestler of the year at this point. And you can blame Rob McCarron for this wrestler of the year talk because 20 days into February, he's talking about wrestler of the year already. <laughs> so it got me all fired up. I mean, it's ridiculous to be talking about this stuff in February. Before WrestleMania has even happened. WrestleMania weekend hasn't even started. But this Kodaka, I don't know if you saw the Takashita match on the 3rd of January. That was a four and a quarter star. Match. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I remember. Yeah, I don't remember it vividly, but I do remember watching it. I might have to might have to go back now. Have some new appreciation of, of what he's been doing. Yeah. I mean, that guy had two excellent title defenses in January because this match was in was on uh, this match was the 31st of January. It's almost a month old. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, spoiler alert. Come on. It's a fucking month old match. But I mean, you know, so, you know, this guy and plus he's been in some very interesting tags. This guy's having an excellent year. 